the arrival. The target. The pursuit. The confrontation. The Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger is The Terminator. Rated R. The number one movie in the USA is now playing everywhere. Here we are. This is this is part one. Not part one. Jesus. This is uh, <laughs> the first installment of our Saturday night movie sleepover summer series extravaganza <laughs> sequels. This is it. We're a little wacky. We're yeah, always a little we're wacky. A little late. We're a little late. We had no place to abs- absolutely no place to record tonight. So we had to record in my mom's um, water heater closet <laughs> under the stairs. So we we apologize if you're hearing um. Any, um, you know, uh, noise in the background, it's because we're so close up to... If Blake leans back, he's going to put his head on the radiator, and it's, he's going to burn himself. Yeah. And then... It's steamy in here. Yeah, and I got the water, the hot water tank, so if I, hope, I, I asked my parents not to take a shower. <laughs> so if they take a shower, you'll hear the water just start draining, and then we'll have a half hour of the hot water drain, or thingy up. So, um, thingy, thingy, thingy. I'm told I say thingy too much, so I'm going to try not to say thingy. So if anybody out there hears me say thingy, yell out at me. Dion, stop saying thingy. Snap a snap into band a, on you. Yeah, snap into a Slim Jim. Ow. <laughs> um, we, here we are. We're, this is Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. This is our Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Summer sequel extravaganza. This is the summer of sequels, ceremoniously, serendipitously <laughs> circumcising <laughs> summers. Hey. Um, sanctuary. This is part one, or this is episode one of the of the 2019. 2019 summer, man. Yeah, it's summer. We're, we're really Blake you know and I what? are sitting um, cross-legged. <laughs> we're about an inch away from each other, so it's a little cramped. It's a little snug. Yeah, it's a little snug in here, and we're down to our tidy whities because we had, it's just so hot in here. It's a little more information than anyone, everyone you know needed to know. What came out summer thirty years ago? Uh, what's what's what today's 2019 <laughs> th- Batman, right? Yes, yeah, Batman. This is the summer. This is bu- so that, not what we're doing tonight. We're doing Batman. Tonight. Yeah, we're, we're recovering <laughs> Batman. It's a mislabeled post everyone downloaded. Uh, that is, yeah, I've noticed in the in the news as of this recording that they've been replant. A lot of people are sending me. Uh, messages going to see Batman this weekend. Tim Burton's Batman. I'm like, you never seen it before? They're like, oh no, I'm seeing it in theater though. You know, <laughs> you ain't never seen it. Yeah, they're like the 4K, the trend. But I'm like, but you know, don't you want to see it projected? You know, well, we're seeing it 4K, and I'm like, but you know, it's just you're just watching a Blu-ray, like some guy like putting a Blu-ray in, and just like, okay, I'm gonna go watch. There are certain movies, and we talk about this Batman obviously in our first, in our first. Our, our Colin Firth, <laughs> our Colin Firth uh, episode, episode anniversary, and our first anniversary. Um, but there are certain movies from our youth, our youths, our youths that uh, were kind of groundbreaking mm. and were real milestones for I think 
the children of our generation. The children of the grave. Batman, of course, being one of them. Batman was definitely one of them. And I think tonight's movie is definitely another. I, I would agree with you. Uh, tonight's movie we're doing is Terminator 2 from 1991. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. T2. T2 Judgment Day. This was certainly a groundbreaking. This certainly, I would probably, in in uh, my, um, uh, in the category of the top five, top three, whatever it is, of um, movie-going experiences, it's Batman, it's T2, and it's Jurassic Park. I saw all them opening night. T2, the one we're talking about tonight, I saw like the night before. So like if it came out, it was open like July the 3rd. It's supposed to, it was supposed to open like July the 4th. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, July the 4th, 2000, 2000, 1991 was like a Wednesday or a Thursday. I think it was a Wednesday, July the 4th. And we went Tuesday night. So like, you know, maybe the first showings were like at like yeah, eight or 10 o'clock. Snuck a, snuck a couple of yeah. showings in. So, you know, we were, we were there, me, my friend Martin, my dad, and I think... That was it. The three of us went, and the we three amigos. The three amigos. My dad, my friend Martin <laughs> McHugh, and myself. We all went. My friend, my other friend Chris, wasn't there. I'm not an amigo. Dion. I'm not an amigo, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an amigo. Dad, it's not a derogatory term. I don't know what you amigos are, but I ain't one of them. Um, yeah. So we went to see this, and this this blew my mind. The whole summer of 1991. Your mind was, was blown. It was just, Your it was all was Terminator open. 2, yeah. And it's weird because- <laughs> Your brains were spilling out. It was just splattered all over the walls. <laughs> this was a film that, you know, two years before, Summer of Batman, 89. So a year after that, 1990, for me, Summer of Dick Tracy, uh, and probably Ninja Turtles, and also for me, Summer of Bond. I, me and my friend Martin went through a big Bond kick that summer. What summer was uh, Last Crusade? 89 as well. Oh, yeah. uh, 89 had like- Star Trek Five had uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon Two, Batman. Uh, what about Last Crusade? Uh, what summer? What summer was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? That's nineteen ninety, right? I thought. I think there was that the summer in nineteen ninety. Same summer as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right? Yeah, because I saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves up in Lake George. We went to the mall, the Glen Falls Mall. So you know the mall near Glen Falls. Real esoteric for everyone who doesn't even know what we're talking <laughs> Cross about. Crossgates. Probably. You know, like when you drive and you go past Lake Compounds? Not Lake Compounds. That's Connecticut. You go past uh, the Great Escape, uh-huh. and you keep going not towards Lake George the other way, and you, you pass the you pass the uh, drive-in, and you keep going, you're going to hit a mall over there, and we saw it in that mall. I saw that there, Prince of Thieves. What else did I see there? I saw something else there. But anyway, so yeah, I saw that with my dad when we were uh, when we were on vacation, Prince of Thieves. That'd be a good one to do. That would be a fun one. You know, to do. I haven't seen that in a long time. You know, like contrast that to like uh, the uh, Russell Crowe one that he did a couple years ago. Yeah, I never or, saw that. one. I didn't either. Although he's supposed to have a great accent in it, I but I didn't see it. it. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan <laughs> of the, I would see it. I'm a big fan of the Robin Hood. The yeah, uh, sure. Legend. Yeah, I, remember the one that the, the stars Disney one? the guy. Who was? <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to pull this back on on the road. But it's the guy who was in uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. Sleeping with the Enemy. That's that. That's with Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah, that guy with the mustache. He yeah. played Robin Hood in a movie. He did play Robin Hood in a movie. I don't remember what I movie. Rem- I remember the movie. I he's the guy. Also, name. isn't he the guy who's he's the he's in I think Patriot Games. Isn't he one of the? He's like Sean Bean's man in Patriot Games. Because no, they go ki- try to kill so him at the beginning. I've seen that. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, Terminator 2. Terminator Judgment 2. Day. Judgment Day, 1991, man. This thing was huge when it came out and uh, revolutionary. 
it, you know, and it's weird because when you sit and watch it, for the most part, it really kind of holds up, and it's 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 interesting. I was pleasantly surprised. I haven't seen this movie at least since college, if not high school. Oh, really? Like I don't. I had for some reason this is just a movie that I just never. I watched a lot. Yeah, when it came out initially. Oh yeah, when it came out on video initially, I had it. I had like a double tape of the first one sure. and the second one. Yeah. And uh, so I've seen it a million times, but it was just one of those movies that, I don't know, you, you know, like you talk about it sometimes, like you saw it so many times. You don't you just, you just feel like you never need to watch it again. Yeah. And I don't know, like I never consciously felt that way about it, but it's like I never was like, you know what, I'm going to watch Terminator 2 today. Yeah, you never but went back to that well. just <laughs> never, you know, and I would buy the box sets. I bought it on DVD and then I would buy the like the Blu-ray box set that has it because I want to have it in case I ever do need it. Well, you're, you see, you feel safe and secure in yourself <laughs> that you still have it when you but, need it. But uh, it was a lot of fun revisiting it. Like, yeah. It was totally a trip down memory lane. Like I felt like we were in junior high. <laughs> we rented it. Fucking new release. I know. And you and you and I, have, for years, have had the jokes with uh, the lines from it. The Galleria. The Galleria. <laughs> we'd have that line. Or I would say, like, uh, you know, Gibbons, you can't leave the desk like this, Gibbons. Or uh, there's a couple other ones I used and to we have. Just uh, a couple years ago, we talked about uh, uh, Robert Patrick kind of reprising the role of the T-1000. Oh, and Wayne's, Wayne's World 2. Yeah, he's, he shows up there. Wayne's World 1. Uh, is it 1? Yeah. Okay. We didn't do Wayne's World 2 yet. I thought in Wayne's World we talked about Wayne's World too. Oh, maybe. I kind of yeah. remember it being in the movie, though. You're probably right. Yeah, because that would have happened right after. Yeah, you're right. So it's probably Wayne's World. Yeah. Coincidentally, another quick sidebar. Yeah. I texted Dion this the other night. I was watching Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yes. For the eight millionth time. Yeah. Because uh, it was on HBO. And every time I catch it on HBO, I always catch like like the last 20 minutes. But I caught this right from the fucking beginning. And so, I was so excited. You just, you're just like, you're <laughs> Even though I could have just popped it in and watched it anytime I want. There's something about catching it on TV. So there goes all your workload. You just well, anyway, so there was the, there's the part, the initial party, the floating party that comes into Bernie's house. Yeah. When Bernie's dead on the couch. And then they, they're, the you know, uh, Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy are like, we should call the cops. We shouldn't call the cops. It's party and they're sitting there and they're talking out by the pool and standing behind them is uh skeet Ulrich. but how old is he at this point <laughs> i don't know what year is weekend at bernie's 89 89 i think another so, classic from and, 89 and he doesn't show up until we talked we did the we did scream we did the craft those are both 1996, yeah. and he's high school age, so five years before. I mean, this is like Sam Rockwell territory in, in Ninja <laughs> Turtles. Is he? What's you, and you're confident when I you looked, looked it up? It looked exactly like him, and I did. I googled it, and I saw people like images, but I never. I didn't. You know, I don't know how to read Dion, so I didn't. Yeah, you didn't go look reading IMDb <laughs> like Abdabid. You tried to look but, it up. Uh, Something I never noticed before, I probably wouldn't have noticed had we not just done two Skeet Ulrich movies. Yeah, recently, <laughs> and that's the reason why that, it, that suddenly you were you you had Skeet Ulrich on the mind. Was he in this movie tonight? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately he's not in this movie. That'd be interesting if they had him um, <laughs> as the Eddie Furlong. We should just make movies up like Eddie Furlong. You know, it's. I'll tell you, one of the things that I was kind of dreading on watching this tonight is like I never. I always thought, even as a kid, that Eddie Furlong was not good in this movie. I always, I, I, to me, when I, growing up, to me, it wasn't that he wasn't good. It was just to me, he was just kind of like, um, 
inexperienced, I guess. You know, he has his so delivery a lot of times. So it wasn't good. So I guess. <laughs> I never <laughs> categorize it as wasn't good, but I would sometimes make fun of certain line deliveries and stuff. But overall, he never bothered. It wasn't like the kid from the Shining TV show. Yeah, the TV movie. The TV movie where it's like it was unbearable. I would just, I'd, I would joke it like, you know, you could do anything I say, you know, prove, you know, like his line delivery. I, I, you know, like is that the only take they had? Yeah. But it didn't bother me this this time around watching. Yeah, it. Yeah, like it was like I definitely don't think he delivers the strongest like child performance. Well, ever it's his first movie, movie but. Watching it this time, it didn't really bother me. Like, sure, there's there's stuff that comes on, you know, that's a little cold on, you know, I'm a little cold on. But uh, ultimately, though, it was like that not so great acting performance was part of the nostalgia of watching it. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> and it turns out that they ended up ADRing like all of his lines. Not because of that, but just because I guess he. Grew yeah, up but and it got also old. might add. A little bit of a disconnect. Oh wow! Performance it, yeah. wise, for, for, from what he's saying versus because his his voice cracks loud in it, but then sometimes I was noticing in this watch it, it kind of sometimes works. But the, when they he's apparently screaming for it's like mom, it's like it kind of the crack works. You know? Yeah, they apparently overdubbed, uh, redid his vo- ADR, re-recorded his voice for all of his lines because his voice had changed throughout the film, right? Yeah. Well, the- what I didn't realize, but in researching it, is I guess the young. The, he was at his youngest when they were filming the desert stuff and that's kind of noticeable when he's in the car you know you can't say that you say hasta la vista yeah, baby yeah. you can kind of see he he looks young um, or when he's like you know um, she's, he's gonna blow him away she's gonna blow let's go come on you know it's like <laughs> that you know, but then when he's at the mall he's, yeah, yeah. he looks like like a, like not a little person almost already you know because he's still, <laughs> you know, he looks like he's grown up and he's got like a mustache and stuff and he's a guy that fell completely from my um uh, I hadn't thought of him in years, and then I saw that. What is that? The Rave of the Dead? There's that rave movie or House of the some some r- movie where it's like they go to a rave and it turns into a horror movie. And he was in it. And he looks like like a fifty year old dude. Yeah. Overweight. Well, I know he was in um, the remake of Night of the Demons. Is that maybe that was it? Yeah, that Which could that be. That was it. like a Halloween rave. Yeah, they that. go to a party, right? And then in the party, everyone. That's probably what it is. I saw it's like 2009 or 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah, and he's no, maybe prior to that because I was in my old apartment. I moved to my new place in 2010, so maybe it's prior. Definitely could have done more than one of those movies. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was like almost like oh that's him, you know. I'm like oh yeah, I guess it is kind of him. Uh, but that doesn't. I mean, I thought I loved it tonight. I haven't seen. It's one of these movies where I knew back to front. Yeah, yeah. I never considered it one of my favorite movies, but I loved it, you know. And um, I haven't watched it in a while. Every couple of years, I may revisit it. Um, I definitely prefer the first one, which Me I don't too. know if that's sacrilege. I mean, this this not to take anything away from this one. I like the first one probably because I grew up with the first one, and the first one it was such a influence in my life and it being like kind of more horror movie-ish and all that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, that's the first one is... Yeah, but then people don't have that philosophy. A lot of people, you know, I was reading and saying like, oh, definitely, you know, uh, no, hands down, the second one's better than the first. So I guess people well, do have a strong... I would imagine you know, so. I mean, I think somebody... I don't know. Somebody, somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter say that this is like their favorite movie of all time so yeah you know it definitely has it for me i you know it might just be that you know you and i both separately have you know nostalgia memories of watching the first one when it first hit you know cable or yeah new release on video and and i just i've always uh 
I've just always loved the first one. Yeah. And I want to, you know, and like I definitely, even though I watched this one a lot, I definitely probably went through a period where I, I would never say that I didn't like it, but this movie, but it was definitely a period where like to me, I don't know, it was like I just loved the first one so much. Yeah. That this one just was, I could see like the amazingness of what it was. Yeah. But like its story just never, uh, you know, touched me in, in a way that the original one did. But when you're like a teenager, you don't think of it in those terms. So yeah. like I'm looking back on it now. <laughs> it's like, We're not teenagers like anymore. Maybe, maybe like I'm trying to like looking back on like, what was it about it that like I, I didn't really connect with. And I just was so into the first one. Um, and of course, you know, you can't, I mean, this movie is undeniable in terms of, you know, what it did for the industry and how amazing it is. Well, even Cameron, I mean, you think about, yeah, you, you could talk about Kubrick, or you could talk about Quentin Tarantino with the the small amount of their catalog that has kind of revolutionized cinema, yeah. and like the sh- stuff Cameron. I mean, th- there's thesis arguments and stuff. You know, has Cameron even made a bad movie? You know, where he's. I mean, people. Some people don't like Avatar, but yeah. you know, whatever you have uh, your attitude about the story and that. I mean, the technical achievements in Avatar and, and Titanic, and I mean, I love Aliens and The yeah. Abyss is freaking amazing. So. Even True Lies to send up to you know the Bond movies yeah, is phenomenal you know yeah, true lies, so when you get to this one it's like this movie I was looking at it like is this kind of like a perfect script maybe in a sense of we talk about with Back to the Future and those kind of things where it's like you know the, to me there's not a lot of uh, meat that you can get sliced off here sure. you know one scene almost begets the next scene and you know and there's a lot of payoffs and there's a lot of I mean I vividly remember seeing this in the theater the night of and and how everything played, you know, knowing the first movie so well, when you have those scenes of the, you know, come with me if you want to live, or when the sure. T-1000 gets into the copter and turns and says, get out, you know, people are laughing, and they're not laughing because they're you know, laughing because it's corny, they're laughing because, oh, look, you fit it in, and it's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's almost a deja vu, you know, it's like it plays so good. Now, it's hard for me when we, when we do a movie that's from our childhood that to kind of remember exactly like how things were uh, publicized, what yeah. the promotions were like. Because, I mean, but then, you know, going, watching some of the old trailers of kind of uh, research just to see how it was, pro- uh, you know, advertised. Because there was, when we were watching it, you know, it definitely plays like, like Cameron's, he's playing it close to the vest. Like he he doesn't, like, I wonder what it would have been like to see it, having seen the first one, then see this one and not know that Schwarzenegger's Terminator is the good guy. Well, I... Uh, and that, you know, the T-1000 is the bad guy. I remember them playing that because it, it seems to be in the they trailers. Were, well, they were trying to keep it. I mean, there's... See, there's one trailer where it's kind of ambiguous. Well, they have the trailer that Stan Winston di- directed himself. Yeah, which, which is just the which teaser. Is, which, which is amazing. It's the one where he's on the assembly line, and they, they I forget, they have like a $100,000 budget, and they got Schwarzenegger, and then they're, it's like they have the molds, and then yeah. you see, and then and then that one's ambiguous. You don't know what it is. It's like coming. And it's just the tease. Yeah. yeah, and then for me, I remember, uh, you know, MTV was big in our youth, and about a month before the movie came out, they hadn't had a lot of footage at all. You can get your star log or whatever with, you know, 
frames of the movie and what they're doing. Yeah. But they, I feel like they were keeping it kind of, you know, the details kind of secret. And then um, the about a month before it came out in June of '91, uh, the "You Could Be Mine" Guns N' Roses video dropped. And that was an event. I remember me and my friend Martin called each other up on the phone. I like ran up to my mom's room. It's kind of like a Christmas story where he locks himself in the background. <laughs> uh, I ran up to my mom's room, shut the door, got on the phone with him, and then we watched the trailer live together on the phone to comment to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was then subsequently like I taped the, the the song off the TV, and I had that on the tape, the same cassette tape that I had like Bon Jovi's "Blaze of Glory" from Gun, Pro- <laughs> Gun you know, Gun, Young Guns Two, and even Warren's <laughs> Uncle Tom's Cabin, all on that same yeah. th- that I taped off the TV because I don't I didn't realize now, but then you look at the the chronology, uh, Guns N' Roses that that song came out in June in uh, 1991. They didn't put the Use Your Illusions out till September, so there was quite a drag of of when I mean they might have they had to have put the single out with uh, You Could Be Mine and then I think on the B side was maybe Civil War and then I think they also put out um, uh, what's the name of that song Don't Cry you know but it was so that was your first glimpse the music video and I still to this day every time I listen to You You Could Be Mine I still parts in the song where he says like hasta la vista baby that's all still ingrained <laughs> in my head like I'm gonna hear it yeah, you know yeah. and, and for me that's one of the greatest rock songs of all time the opening and then the you know the break into the to the song and you're freaking you know, it's like it's like it's almost up there with like the pumping up of like Ender Sandman or Welcome to the Jungle you know so it's it's such a good song and that was my first exposure to the to, to what was to see the clips of what was going on in the movie so I don't remember you know I think I, I guess you had to know that it, yeah. that he wasn't. I watched some you know, of the, like I, I watched like three trailers. Yeah, the tease the teaser one that you were talking about that Stan Winston did. Then there was one that was pretty ambiguous. It was a lot of action, but you didn't really know what was going and on. And is is t- the T one thousand in it a lot? Yeah, he's in it, but you don't know. Like it doesn't. It's not tipping the hat as to like that Schwarzenegger is a good guy or a bad guy. Just, it's just. You just don't know in that trailer. And then there's another trailer, which is also a trailer of the time, which is like... Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's like, uh, he came back, but this time, he's the good guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably once the movie came out. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robert Patrick. You know? Yeah. uh, So I just don't remember, as a kid, knowing... Yeah, wow. Like, I just would have... Because it definitely plays it, you know, like, until... I guess you have suspicion that the T-1000 is something up with them, right? But you don't really know what's going on until... to that meeting when they, they the clash in the mall together. And that poor guy just wanted to get a Pepsi and gets killed. That Chinese guy or the Asian man. And that's and when it, everything's kind of revealed. Yeah. So you're right. Which, I don't, is, which is brilliant. I don't know. Uh, yeah, right. Because you don't know really... I think it, maybe it is up in the air. There, there might have been some mystique. I mean, this is back in the day where the opening of that movie when you have um, him walk out after getting the clothes... And bad to the vo- bone place. Yeah. For me, that we might have brought this up in, an, in an, a prior episode, but now that's kind of cliche. You hear yeah. bad to the bone. It's like on like probably married the with Chris, children. Christine episode. We probably yeah, brought it up. but like when I saw it in Terminator Two, it wasn't cliched. You're like you're cheering. People were cheering when they pan up and you see him in the leather outfit, and then you know he gets on the fat boy, and then that guy comes out with the Winchester. <laughs> you know, I, I can't let you go. Take the meal. You know, you get up or I will put you down. It's like there was there was so much. There's it's like. I feel like he could have done no wrong in that movie. You know, I mean, the action was, each scene kind of surpasses itself in like, 
you know, this action sequence was better than the last, you know, until the end. And then you just, you're, you're, you're ripe for more. You get, you get so into it. Uh, and, and it, you know, this was another thing too, where, uh, the movie ends up coming out and I, it's one of these things where I got myself a copy of it and then I made my own cover. You know, I drew like the, on the VHS cover, I made, I made this elaborate, you know, piece of shit cover with all this <laughs> stuff because I had the trading card. So like yeah. I'm drawing the trading cards and, you know, I remember you know, I went to like that winter, I went to like a, a, a vacation in Boston and I was sitting in the hotel room and I'm drawing the T-1000 as the liquid man coming out of the flames and all that kind of a thing. And then... In the blockbuster near me, they had like you can rent like the making of. So I rented like this half hour making of, which yeah. is like a lot of the footage of them on the gun range shooting the guns, or Robert Patrick walking around in his tidy whities with the ball stuff outside, and you see them like rotoscoping or whatever you call that, Im- Im- imaging him with the laser, or the footage of him like stuck in a position and the laser going around and getting you know getting it into the thing, yeah. and then uh, at some point randomly one night i went i went into the blockbuster and uh i went to i guess i didn't have it yet cuz they had this it looked like a box set it wasn't like a video a, a videotape it was a wider thing and i was like oh so i re- just rented that uh, uh coincidentally got home and little did i know that was the special edition and that was the first time i'd ever seen you know, I'm watching the movie yeah, thinking yeah. it's going to be the theatrical version, and all of a sudden there's all this extra shit in it, yeah, yeah, which yeah. only Wait, ends up being fuck? like, yeah, it's just like there's, there's Michael Bean, <laughs> yeah, Michael Bean's in here. The, 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 he kills the dog, and then and I think I had seen, I had to have seen, I was trying to figure like I'd I'd seen books on it because I remember as a kid looking, seeing the storyboards because they had storyboarded all that stuff they didn't film of the T1000 going to the desert. And killing the the Spanish guy, and yeah. then threatening the baby, and he's dressed as the motorcycle cop. And I remember seeing those storyboards. So it, either th- those are in that special that I I saw, or I saw something else. And then I had seen the footage of when he is in the foster parents' home, and uh, this is not included in the special editions. But he goes into the room and he's feeling around the room, and he yeah, feels yeah. across the public enemy the poster. T-1000. The T-1000. He rips it down. There's a hole in the wall, and that's where he finds out how where Sarah Connor is, and I guess that's also the uh, leap is where, where he knows to go later to, to the desert. Uh, so seeing all that stuff in the special edition, uh, and then as well as my favorite stuff at the end of the movie where the T-1000's malfunctioning, I find that so awesome, even to the point when I got the Horizon models. I had the Horizon... T-800 from this movie with the battle damage and then the T-1000 I made my own little uh, Jimmy Riggs stuff where he like out of straws I made the safety handle and him so he's holding on to it you could see it going up the caution tape or whatever Um, and this is another thing too where I got the novelization. I must have borrowed it off of a friend. And I remember I, I had braces as a kid. And I remember going to the orthodontist and waiting in the orthodontist's office reading the novelization. And, you know, this was like, aside from Batman, this was like my first exposure to a novelization. Yeah. So I was really into the novelization. So then you and I both, we reread the novelization for for, for it for this <laughs> viewing. Yeah. We got And then I got, I was so into the novelization for this, I went and reread the novelization for Terminator yeah, yeah. because I got the novelization for that after we had done because we we've covered Terminator 1 or the 1984 one on this podcast yeah uh, I reread that novelization and uh, the the ancestral thing about the novelizations are is that the first novelization the Terminator movie uh, let's see James James Cameron wrote the f- original screenplay with Gail Ann Hurd uh, 
And then that novelization is done by Randall Frakes and Bill Wisher. And then Terminator 2, James Cameron wrote that screenplay with William, with Bill Fisher. And then that novelization for Terminator 2 is done by Randall Frakes. Yeah. You get me there? Yeah. Everybody Wisher. followed that one. Wisher. Wisher. Yeah. So, um, so, so one of the guys that co-authored the, 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 original, the, the original novelization for the original film co-wrote Terminator 2 screenplay with Cameron. And yeah, and then the other guy who co-wrote the original novelization just did the novelization himself for the second yeah. one. So they're all self-referencing each other. So I, I read the second one first, and then I was like, this was so good, I'm going to go reread the original. <laughs> Rereading the original, it's, it's you know, th- since it's the same guys with, what is that, seven or eight years in between, yeah. there's a lot of references to stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot more going on, uh, as always. But it's 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 really fun, and the the original novel reads like a proper novel. I mean, I was telling you this, where there's like a page and a half of who that black guy at the beginning, the garbage truck driver. He's like an ex football player who's three in the morning. He's you know sh- his life sucks, and he's got bad knees. It's like all this, or the um, who, what's the the gentleman's name who just died? Who was who was in all the Roger Corman movies? Who's in Gremlins? Oh, uh, you know everyone's yelling his name out right now. I know. Uh, you know he's in he's in all those movies. Um, he escapes, but he's the gun owner in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. Like in the novelization, he's from Boston, and he just you know he just uh, he moved west at the start of thing. Or you have the guy who's the motel owner cleaning up. He's he's talking about where he's trying to clean the motel, and there's the hookers and people sometimes let him go in the room to just clean while they're there, and that's why he's knocking on the door with the dead cat, and he was worried some hooker had killed him. Uh, Dick Miller. Dick Miller, yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's so much in the original novelization, it's actual like a proper book. Yeah, yeah. Where the second one is great, but the second one still kind of... It's interesting reading the second novelization because to me, it removes you from the story t- enough that it's not Schwarzen- so you're not it's not the elephant of the room of it being Schwarzenegger. Yeah. It just feels like a, a robot. So you actually do see in the deleted scenes that are in the novelization when they turn, they say like, my CPU is read only. When they click it to learn, afterward you cr- you start to see the stuff where he's doing, you know, he's doing this or he's doing that. So that by the end of the movie, when he says like I need a vacation, that's kind of more believable because he's you know he's learning yeah. how to implement stuff, you know. So it, it's it's fascinating. Or the T one thousand, learning about like the T one thousand, how it's how he perceives things, or you know if they shoot him in the face point blank with a shotgun, it takes a minute or two because it stuns him. For the computer kind of to reset itself, or at the end of the movie when he walks up onto the truck when the big ch- car chase and he like unloads the yeah. AR-15 into his face, that'll stun the T-1000 for you. Have like a second or two before the thing regroups. So you had you add, it added a lot of that stuff, which I found is really Real cool. Yeah, 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 I ha- I do have the first one, but I I haven't read it. You know, I I went we did a whole sidecast on Podowitz about my. At the time, kind of somewhat recent obsession, novelization, novelization, and, and photo it, novels, huh? and it would be really interesting for us to listen to that and do a new one because I'm sure it would be yeah, even time traveling completely too, completely different now. But uh, we did a time traveling uh, sidecast as well, and they were all kind of this. We brought these up and all that. Yeah, but uh, you know, I went on so when I got into it, I like it was such a binge of getting them that I bought so many that like I couldn't keep up reading them. Yeah, and then. Just got kind of read out. It's, it's a little. It's a. It's a little uh, overwhelming. <laughs> they, they usually go pretty fast, depending on the movie. But um, so I do. I have. There's so many that I have now that I haven't read yet. The first one being, being one of them. In terms of this movie, 
there's a big the the one thing that I really like about the novelization for the second one, and um, we definitely won't get too bogged down with novelization stuff. But I think it's worth mentioning that there's a whole like alternate opening, yeah, to this one that I think is pretty cool because it's actually it's almost like they could have been in the first movie, could have been like the opening of the first movie. Almost. I think I brought up in the when we did the first movie that there was a great miniseries called Burning Earth that I think Dark Horse did. And it's a five-part comic book series that was done sometime between the first and second movie. And it must have been done in the late 80s because it was coming out when I was getting them. And it's a prequel to the first movie. So the Burning Earth, it ends, it takes place in the future, and it's about the Resistance trying to get into Skynet, which is, I think they're out in the desert or somewhere. And then when they break in... It, the, the ending of the issues is when they find the time displace equipment and they send Kyle through. Yeah. You know that's how the this Burning Earth series ends. So with the Terminator Two novelization, it starts off with what <coughs> we see in the movie, uh, and it's interesting too because in the extended opening you have that Sarah is twenty nine years old, Sarah Jeanette Connor, and she dies, and John Connor finds out in that opening battle that she's been killed. And he doesn't tell anybody, like he's upset, he walks away, and I guess he cries silently. But then they're able to break through, and then you have this whole extended opening where they break in, they get into Skynet, everything turns off everywhere. And I, I, I think, I forget, they, 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 did, they, they blew something up, and everywhere all over the world, the robots are turning off, the T-800s are stopping, the HKs are falling from the skies, the, 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 the tanks are stopping, and they, they break into the, to Skynet, and they find, and they don't know what they're looking for, or maybe John Connor knows, he's telling them, and they find this displace equipment, and that's the idea of they have to send Kyle back, and they're trying to, they have the technicians trying to figure it out, they, they strip Kyle down, and this is all in the novelization for Terminator 2, yeah. the beginning they send Kyle back, and then they open another room, and they find these molds, and they touch, they, they put like a gun up to it, and, <coughs> and you, you get like a little bit of the, 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 the T-1000 liquid. Yeah. I guess, what is it, it goes onto the barrel and kind of like absorbs into the barrel of the gun. They're like, what the hell is this? And then they open another room, and they find this whole bank or rows of T-800s, and they find like one of them is gone, which they assume is the first... T-800 that went back in the first movie, the Schwarzenegger. So there's a realization like we got to send another back. And in researching the the movie, someone brings up a point on online which I never really realized. But someone speculates, which I'm like, oh, that's kind of poppycock. But then it kind of makes sense where if you look at the first movie, especially reading the novelization of the first movie, like the T-800 that goes back, you know, that fucking thing is scary as all hell. It will kill you at the drop of a hat. Where in Terminator 2, the the T800 isn't really ki- you know he could kill everybody in that biker bar t- at the biker bar at the beginning but he doesn't he's just so the speculation by whoever it was online is maybe they already did kind of tinker reprogram it enough yeah so it's not you know it, it will kill somebody if it needs to but it's not like the T800 in the first movie you well know? they obviously you know reprogrammed it. it a little bit anyway I mean they had to have to give it a yeah, to, to give, give it, it like a mission a, yeah exactly and maybe I, yeah, you could have seen that I mean this is obviously speculation but you see them being like stay because you need like to a, fit in a little a better little, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, a little know. more incognito yeah. <laughs> because the, the, <laughs> they're just running around on a killing spree the, the novelization for the first one is like it's so amazing because you're learning the the innards of what's going on with the the, the computer like it's uh, you know his body starting to go where at some point it's like uh he took a shotgun blast maybe in the cop station and his his 
circulatory pump that's that I guess is connected to the to living skin that's pumping the blood has stopped working. Yeah. So that's why everything is starting to rot on him. And then he's starting to get like in his eye. He's starting to get like bugs because there's flies. Remember yeah, in the motel? Yeah. So he's, they're laying eggs, and he's and it's not enough for him to get bothered. He's swiping them away from, but it doesn't care. So it's starting to realize that it's at the level where it, it, he may, you know, his his. It's it's interesting because it, it, in the novelization it talks about decisions it, he was, he makes like you know um, you know I, I have to watch what I do here you have I have to rent the room so to stay incognito because this is my base of operations I have to go you know he goes out the the uh, what do you call that he goes out the fire escape and comes in you know he has to watch what he does there because that's his base of operations where he's outside he can do whatever he wants so it adds a lot of level of inter- you know uh, of interesting stuff about yeah. him and all that kind of a thing um, but this is like. In Terminator 2, the opening is... Well, first it opens with, like, the last scene of the first one, kind of, which is Sarah at the gas station, right? No, not in Terminator 2. The, the novelization. Oh, I'm sorry. The novelization, yeah, yeah. starts with, yeah, and her then leaving. Goes, and then, it like, flashes forward, and then, like... It's her... It's it's actually when... The end of Terminator 1, when she gets on the road... Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, yeah. The, yeah, the novelization starts with her... As she's driving, thinking about what's going on with her dog next to her, I forget yeah. what her dog's name is. And then, uh, and then it flashes forward, and then everything that Dion said. And then I guess uh, you know, never really watching it this time and having read the novelization, like this idea, like I guess, like because I was a kid when I originally saw it, and you know, when you're a kid and you don't really get it, you just kind of blow past it. You don't really linger on things like I don't really understand what they're talking about, or things don't register. But this time, it like really registered to me that like because they discover in the, I, th- I believe there's a voiceover about it in the in the movie, but in the novelization that there's like they realize that two were sent back. Yeah, I think it's Sarah, it's Sarah Linda Hamilton's voiceover yeah. in the movie, which is just like exposition to set yeah. up set the table. But in the novelization, it's like they're looking at the computers, and then like there's two time signatures, power signature, one of the two of it happened, and they're like, oh shit, they sent two back. We got to figure out. They sent two at, sent two back, and then the first movie was one of them. Yeah. And then it was like... The, Within seconds of each other. And then there's a fail-safe in case that didn't work out. They sent they this sent new an, thing. They sent another one back at the same time. Like, they sent it back at the same time, but they sent it to another point in history. Yeah. And then that's... So they send Kyle, and there's all this nice little, like, story about uh, Kyle and John, and John having to conceal and not really knowing who Kyle was until he says his name it's, it was just real, I just thought yeah, it was really, there's this really well written kn- yeah he know like like uh, John Connor's very um uh, he st- sticks to himself, and a lot of people don't know who he is, even with his mom. Then when his when he realizes his mom dies, it's the first time people kind of see emotion from him. But then out of the blue, uh, Kyle. He he befriends Kyle and he he gives Kyle that Polaroid and that Polaroid everybody has. It's yeah. like almost becomes like everybody a, has copies of it. Yeah, but Kyle has the original. Yeah, and Kyle doesn't even know why he has this because they were like in a bunker in a battle at some point and uh, John Connor even risked his life to like you know save Kyle. So there's you know no one really knows why. And then when Kyle volunteers for the mission, John Connor like takes him aside and like looks him over and pats him down, gives him a big hug, which is like wow, that's really. You know, John Connor usually doesn't get this personal yeah, with people, yeah. you know, and then it's you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. I mean, you know, we, we always go on about the novelizations. Um, even in the first Terminator m- movie novelization, they talk about that once the war started, it's Skynet, the computer that 
invented. It's it's Skynet's R and D uh, program that came up with the. So that kind of makes sense because they never explain who came up with time travel, and it's the computer did. Yeah. So once the war started, it's I feel like that's also kind of implied in implied this, in the novelization for the second one that it's the uh, the computer the, came the up with the computers invented it. Yeah. It, it it was it was coming up with a lot of computer generated new tech and all that, and it came up with a. Uh, a way for t- they call it the time displace equ- time dis- uh, displacement equipment, and I never realized if you do the math that this movie came out in 1991, Terminator 2, but it has to take place in 1995 because if the original movie is 1994 and she only gets impregnated in 94, she has the baby. I'm sorry, 84, and then she has the baby in 85, and in in Terminator 2, the novelization, they say he's only 10, uh, John Connor, uh, yeah. Eddie Furlong. To me, when I watch the movie, he's not 10. To me, he's 13, 12, 13, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But in the novelization, sh- you know, she's uh, what, 22 or something like that, and John's, like, just 10, you know? So it's like yeah. he's like he's a proper kid in this, the you know? The math isn't right, Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah, Creed. yeah, Creed is that way. Is that really? Yeah, because he's supposed to be Apollo Creed's son, but Anthony Michael Jordan or whatever his name is is not... Not the age he would be. It's not the same... He'd be he's, older, he, right? He's... Yeah, he's like wasn't born when Apollo died. Oh, you're right. He would <laughs> probably. That spoiler alert if you haven't seen uh, Rocky Four. Rocky Four. <laughs> um, uh, one or two other things f- before we leave the the original novelization for the first Terminator movie. There is something they cut out where every time the first two Sarah Connors he kills, he has an exacto knife with him or a scalpel and he makes a surgical incision in the back of the calf from the knee down to the ankle and then he finds and then he says like he he it's not a negative it's a negative id he doesn't to the second sarah connor it's a negative id and you're like what the hell is he looking for and what you find out is he's looking because evidently her her leg had uh metal plates in it from an accident so he's that's the only thing Skynet knows to ID her he doesn't have a picture or whatever so he's looking to make a positive ID but then what we don't realize and Skynet doesn't realize is that she only gets that stuff from the end of the first movie remember when Kyle blows himself up she gets a piece of metal in her to, when they set her leg, that's when they put the thing in her. So even if he's, you know, it's like he all these little, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. And the other big thing too is that uh, I never knew this, but Doctor Silverman is gay. Uh, so when he's leaving the the police station and he gets that beep, and then the Terminator walks past him and he holds the door, it's his husband Douglas beeping him, and he says to himself, he's like, "Oh, I hope Douglas isn't." gonna start a fight with me tonight about you know how why i was out late because he's like he's over the moon like you know this this case is just gonna be making my career he's like you know this is gonna be this is gonna do it for me i can write a residency whatever and so so then having that knowledge and watching terminator 2 to me he does kind of have a jonathan (laughs) harris mr smith kind of thing going on you know it's just weird how you read things when you look at stuff yeah you know so it's 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 very interesting just stuff that you don't you know you don't see come off um but, uh, yeah, this movie was huge for me when it came out, uh, Terminator 2. Uh, I had the playset. Kenner put out a playset where, um, and I, it, it seemed like it, I didn't see it anywhere, and I went to, like, a discount toy shop, and they had it, like, you know, one of those liquidator stores. It was for, like, really cheap, and it was, like, make your own Terminator mold. Yeah. So it comes with this, like, uh, it's basically Skynet. 
and you get an endoskeleton, which you can't move. So it, that kind of sucked where it's just like a doll. Yeah, it's stiff. Yeah, it's G.I. Joe size. It's slightly bigger than G.I. Joe. It's probably the size of the other Terminator 2 uh, toys they put out at the time. And you put it in a mold, and there's this gelatin that you inject. I forget what you do. Maybe you microwave it or you do something. You inject it in. You let it harden. And then you have yourself a freaking T-800. It can't move. It's not really um, uh, <laughs> articulate. It's not fun. <laughs> no. No, but you can be <laughs> building it. It's fun. It's, but then it, what's also fun is having you can break the shit off of it yeah, when yeah. you're playing. You know, oh, it's face. Half its face got blown off. Look, there's the T-800 underneath, you know. Yeah. And a friend of mine who we just met, mentioned the Podwits, Jay Marcus, who is an old co-host of mine from the Podwits, he had the thing too, and he told me his stepmother was a dental hygienist, so she had access to this stuff. Because what happened with me was when I ran off. out of the po- yeah, you <laughs> use it all. You, you you know you can go look for the stuff, but if it's not around anymore because they're not selling it, you're, you're up shit's creek. His mother, his stepmother was a dental hygienist, so she would get access to that whatever that was, the powder stuff to make. So he was able to make tons and tons and tons. Of, you know, <laughs> he had so, a full yeah, factory going on. Exactly. You know, so they had such they did have kind of cool. Uh, some of the stuff I remember was kind of stupid. Some of the the uh, the toys they weren't really. It was like shitty Kenner stuff, but uh, for the most part, it was fun stuff. You know. How about yourself? Did you collect any of these toys or these toys? I mean, I had a lot of toys growing up, but uh, I did not have T two toys. I didn't have any T two toys. I didn't have any RoboCop toys. Yeah, they were weird. Like, they were bo- that was also Kenner, I think, the RoboCop. So they weren't as fun or cool looking. They were kind of like. The points of articulation were very just like, you know, I think it was maybe just shoulder. Just the shoulders. Might even do, yeah, you can't even do elbows, you know, so they kind of had. And then the T2 toys, uh, you know, one was like a motorcycle cop. One kind of looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger with battle damage. You know, one was silver. It was, they weren't that fun, you know. You might have got a one with a bike. You might have the fat boy Harley, but that was it, you know. I just remember, I mean, most of all, I mean, we've talked about, uh, making of special effects shows yeah and stuff on cable and on regular television you know it's a common thing that gets brought up on our show because you know like i say every time we do a movie like this i know with total recall we talked about like this idea of the beauty of one of the beautiful things about doing this show is we're like going not only going through like the film history of of you know, like our lives and revisiting those, but we're also taking this like beautiful traveling, <laughs> like story, like trip through memory. Special, yeah. But not just through memory lane, but through like the, the history evolution of special of, effects. Yeah. So you have like, we've done star Wars, uh, and that's like with the Dykstra flex and the practical, them, uh, really patenting like the, the pra- motion control. Yeah. And then, and, and miniature and that, and then you, we did the black hole, which is right after. And that's like, Disney doing both motion control within like matte painting shots and this other stuff, and then we haven't done Tron, but we did Last Starfighter, and that's kind of like computer. That was like one of the, the first, very first times the computer generated yeah. visual effects, and then we've done. Uh, we've talked about doing Young Young Sherlock Holmes, but there's a very important scene in Young Sherlock Holmes, which is computer we did generated. Willow. We did Willow, which is which is the, uh, the first one of this year, 2019, and that's yeah. like the first morphing shot. Um, and it's it's interesting because I guess up until Terminator, uh, computer stuff was always like niche or like um, uh, like oddball stuff you can do with you know it wasn't they never thought about doing because it didn't look right 
Yeah, it wasn't. Mean, you know, they didn't figure out the course. It was. Of it was. You know, photo real. You know. Yeah, it was a couple of things. You know, it was just. Um, but before I said, you know, we labyrinth. We talked about this total recall. We talked about how like that was one of the last big hurrahs of like practical yeah. like, miniatures and stuff like that. Uh, and then of course we did Jurassic Park. Yeah, which is so, yeah, you know, the next movie in this After evolution. This, <laughs> yeah, the, you couldn't get Jurassic Park without this movie. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but you know, the idea of computer generated effects were basically because it took so long to do and because. It, you know, things didn't look right. They didn't look real yet, photorealistic. That, so I mean, stuff would be kind of uh, restricted to certain set pieces. You know, specific pieces within the movie, not something that would last throughout the movie. So, yeah. uh, you when you get like Young Sherlock Holmes, which is a movie that I absolutely adore. Uh, you know, that's one scene, it's like a sequence. Or yeah, it's just yeah. like it's one scene with the stained glass window comes yeah. to life. Uh, when we talk about uh, Last Starfighter, there's actually quite a bit of it in there, but they're all just like the space scenes, you know, the spaceship. And even when they go into the, I think they described it, the look of the, when they go like fly into the meteor, it's like it looks like melting ice cream. Like it doesn't yeah. look like stone or like rock, you know? <laughs> but it still looks pretty awesome. And we talked about when we did that episode, I remember us talking about, uh, that like the the aesthetic of the way the ships look kind of works because it's not that the movie takes place inside a video game like Tron, but it's generated from a video. You know, like he plays a video game to then be the Arthur, how to be the pilot. You know? yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like that was his Excalibur was pulling the sword from the stone was winning that game. So it kind of all it's very much a video game yeah. movie, and that the only reason why he knows how to shoot without really training too much on that on that spaceship is because he has played the video game. Yeah. So the fact that it looks like a video game doesn't... It almost works yeah, for that yeah, movie. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, you know, we just did Willow and the, the morphing effect of that is fucking awesome. Yeah. But it's one scene. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like 10, 12 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so up until that point, the a, a lot of it was like Cameron talks about when they get to the abyss. Even with the abyss, it's only really that one... Yeah, scene. and it's and that was the thing. It's like you know, if stuff doesn't work, you can just cut it out or cut around it. You know, because you didn't have a yeah. whole movie relying it on it. It wasn't like you know s- throughout the entire movie. It was yeah, like one scene. If it doesn't work there, we'll cut it and out. They, we'll figure out how to bridge this bridge it. They said with the abyss, the the pseudopod that they did, that was they only had like nine hundred megabytes of of space to be able to to process all that. And that what is that? That's uh, that's under one gig. Yeah. To be able to process all that, to do that, o- the water sequence. And, uh, you know, th- th- I remember seeing The Abyss in the theater, and that was just, it was like a, a transcendental experience, how amazing that movie is. Yeah. You know, and loving Michael Bean, and Michael Bean shows up as coffee, and then th- they're actually underwater, and they, they're breathing underwater in water. You know, it's like all the craziness <laughs> of that movie. <laughs> Fucking James Cameron, You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just like he's doing stuff. <laughs> he's going down, you know, he's, I mean, he invented technology, he's, you know, to go down that, to do the Titanic. So it's like, so, and I think The Abyss is the first time Photoshop is used in a movie. So, uh, and then, what is it, Dennis Mirren? He talks about where it's like, you know, they, they you know, they were, they were ready to shoot around, you know, like they, yeah. they cut out. But then when they get to Terminator 2, uh, when they were looking at test footage, it's like, you know, they were getting ready. If the shit didn't look good, they were going to have backup plans and making models or whatever for the, you know, if, if the computer stuff. But it was a huge gamble to, to, to really... Uh, 
hedge all your bets on I'm having sure. an actual character. And that's another thing where Jim Cameron talks about, I guess, when he was originally coming up with the original idea for the Terminator movie. One of his uh, his initial ideas was having a shape-shifting robot, but that was the early 80s. There's, you know, the only thing at the time he was saying, like, you know, you could do claymation or stop motion to have that kind of, but that yeah. still wouldn't have, it would turn maybe more into, you know, like a, like a Harry, um, Ray Harryhausen kind yeah. of a thing. So when you get to the him getting this movie greenlit, and revisiting that, oh, how, what can you top on Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800? Oh, you have a shape-shifting Robert Patrick T-1000. It's like having to be able to get the technology. But it's weird because now it's like there's stuff today that doesn't look as good as this stuff 28 years ago. And it's odd that that photorealism where not only does it look good, some scenes, it's like, oh, you know, it's it, you can kind of see it's, it, you know, your yeah. eyes because it's now, because, you know, 28 years later. But it's just how he's also how they're shooting it, how they're hiding it. Like, a lot of this stuff is genius, how they get away or, or get around a lot of the T-1000, you know, stuff. It's really amazing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, you know, even at the time, I'm trying to think what year something like uh, Lawnmower Man came out. That's, like I think, like 1992. Yeah, so that's, around that's, that time. It's right around that time. 91. And obviously, that's taking place in... That I haven't seen since the theater. In a virtual reality world. So, I mean, the fact that it looks Ver- the yeah. way it does is, is warranted for that for the for the plot of that movie. We should do that movie sometime. Long Man. <laughs> it's a scary movie. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Jeff Faye. Great movie. Yeah. But uh, I remember, you know, even thinking, like, when he walks out of the... It wasn't like, as a kid, you watched it and you were, and I was like... Like, oh, my God. Or it was so good that it didn't... Come a lawnmower man or two, Terminator 2? Terminator 2. Okay. I mean, certainly when he, like, walks out of the flames. Like, you, it's a cartoon. I mean, you can, you can tell. It's great. But it's not... It works because it is something, like, otherworldly. You know? Yeah, it's, it's like not something that man exists. Or... So, like, you can suspend your disbelief enough to... Like, okay, you know, this is pretty awesome. Um, to me, it's like... The stu- some of the stuff going on with the abyss is, was almost even more uh, beautiful to look at. Well, I mean, those sequences when the they're going through the sub, it's like, did they kill people? Because they're just people dead, <laughs> you know, like, you know, with bugs crawling out of their mouths and stuff. It's like, how, you know, it's like, and then when you get to, like, the CGI aspects of it, yeah, or yeah. even the end when, you know, when you when they meet the aliens. Yeah, yeah. Like, that stuff is just incredible. Like, you know, I just think, I just remember seeing The Abyss, and that's another one that I know we'll do at some point, because you and I both have, like, a real, real fondness for that movie. But, uh, it just... It, Blows your mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing, because, you know, we grew, you know, we were fortunate enough to grow up, come of age, at not, you know, at not just, like, in my opinion, like... The pinnacle of toys, yeah, <laughs> and then like the evolution of video games and all that stuff, but also like the evolution of special effects and and we've talked about how you know we think of, I think I would imagine because of these making of shows, these behind the scenes movie shows, there was a lot of people like Dion and I that wanted to make movies because of those shows, but also because of like make makeup effects and special effects. It was like. It was like, and it was obviously an art, but I don't think as a kid I thought of it as an art. It was like you, you could make movie magic. Like yeah. somebody does that. Yeah, and so to then have someone like James Cameron, that's not only 
making movies about it's you know because it's so weird when you look at it he's he's, like, he's making movies that are about the advancement of technology warning about the advancement of technology and then to do to do his movies he's advancing technology yeah he's <laughs> like, forcing technology like he's such a uh you know he hasn't you know he hasn't really done much since avatar and they're working on another one and you know working on like three at a time say or what, you know you can say what you will about the about avatar or titanic or whatever I mean the 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 gift, the the many gifts that this guy has given the film industry, not just from an artistic standpoint of like the movies he's made, the way Terminator impacted, you know, our gener like the kids of our generations, our our fathers even, and then the and then the 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 industry of you know, mockbusters and ripoffs and. And you know, introducing cyborgs, <laughs> cybernetic things into into science fiction in, in movies. He's also creating technology. The technology, if I recall correctly, for them to talk to each other underwater in the abyss. Oh yeah, like that kind of scuba gear. To, to my recollection, and when we eventually get around to it, we'll know this for sure. But to my recollection, is like that kind of. Scuba they had gear. ways of talking like back then, but the, not the the gear he makes. It was so that you could see the. Yeah. I think the performance, like I think it's, they had like you could talk underwater maybe, maybe because you have something near your throat or something, yeah, yeah. but like he invented, like you're saying, so the you actual see a performance. With yeah. The with the light, when they're in, it's lit, you're lighting the face, and you then, know, you know, and obviously like the technology we talked about where it's like to go visit the Titanic yeah, and shoot down in there. real life. And then he also, footage. you know, he invented, he went down, I think the, a couple of years ago and did that documentary where he went down himself in this sub that kind of looks more like. One of those uh, like tin cans, people bells, people would go in. It looked yeah, like more yeah. like a like a robot, almost like the the GI Joe Cobra robot thing that you could put the Joe in back in the day, the Cobra <laughs> guy. It's like it looked like that, and they just yeah. brought him down. Like the stuff he's doing is 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 uh, is insane. And I think the 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 beautiful thing that works here is that he works hand in hand with Stan Winston, where a lot of the CGI is just in between stuff. So you'll yeah. have. Like the sequence of like uh, her shooting a, a shotgun through the T1000's head, and you'll you'll have it's an actual practical puppet of him with the f- hole in his head. Sure. And then you see the in between of the the the, the yeah. CGI closes it for you, or that I mean, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you I should you know I should uh, rephrase in that like he didn't invent the CGI technology to do this, but he was a filmmaker that was. Willing, ready, and able to embrace and what, push the artist what in, like industrial light and magic was doing. Yeah. So that it could, like you said, like this, like you know, people look at Jurassic Park and Dennis Muren went to Spielberg and we did an episode on Jurassic Park and it was like you last know, summer, right? We did that. I think we did it last summer. Yeah, and it was like, look, you know, the claymation stuff or the stop motion stuff that Phil Tippett's doing is great, but. I think we could do this in the computer. Yeah. See Terminator <laughs> 2. <laughs> you know, like, I think, like, come, take a look at what we did, Steven, and yeah. look at this, like, this dinosaur that we created at the computer, and it was like, holy shit. But that could not have been done had Dennis Muren and his team and his Industrial Light and Magic, Ed Cameron, embraced it and pushed it forward to be able to do Terminator 2, which is what I was getting at earlier, was, like, previously, they were all isolated scenes. Here... Cameron was saying, "That's we're going to put all our money in this basket. You know, we're going to put all eggs in this basket. We're going to put all the money on this one horse, which is that like we have to 
have a character that is gonna we're gonna have to use the CGI technology throughout the movie, yeah. so it has to work. And, and if it doesn't work, it, it the whole movie kind of and tanks. luckily it wasn't too far different from some of the stuff that they were doing in the abyss so the abyss ended up being like a proof of concept like okay look at what we can look at what we did it works now let's fucking go hog wild on let's this shit. fucking go hog wild and what on i found this. amazing in research and i don't know if it was something that i saw in old shows and it just never like old making ofs that it never registered to me cuz that one show that was like on ABC on NBC that I always talk about because it had In the Mouth of Madness in it and it was hosted by uh, Jonathan Brandis and Roy Scheider because they were doing Sequest at that time and it was a special effects show. They talked about this the the T uh, two stuff in that if I recall correctly and then I had a bought a videotape that was about special effects and they talked a lot about T two in that. But what I found really interesting from like a filmmaking standpoint was the effects were going to take so long to create and then render on the computer that they had to shoot... Oh, yeah. That was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. They had to shoot all those shots that they were going to be in... Like a year before, <laughs> like before they started shooting the movie. So they haven't got that. If they have, they haven't started practical production yet on shooting like the scenes with actors. But it was going to take so long for the animators to animate what they were going to do and then render the stuff in the computer. They had to go shoot those inserts of like uh, in the elevator. Yeah, like the elevator the, doors the, opening with him. He's pulling the doors, or open him melting through through the elevator and coming yeah. up, or or the shot of uh, the twin. The two guys that are in Gremlins too, you know, uh, him like getting the coffee while it's coming up in the. So they had to shoot that stuff like well in advance. Maybe sometimes before they even had the location, they'd have to mock up in a sound studio uh, what they think the set will look like. Shoot that stuff, which is so crazy. You know, think that they had to make all these decisions like early on. We don't have we don't have a location, or we haven't. Maybe we know where we're going to shoot, but we haven't built the set. But yet. they have to they have to rig the lights the right so way. So we have yeah. to be like we have we have to commit now. This is what the elevator doors are going to look like. This is what the inside of the, the elevator is. This look is like. how the lighting is going to be. They have to commit to all these things like a year in advance, and then shoot all that, then go away, and then give it to the animators so the animators can take that as their background, their plate, start animating the shit there, and then a year down the line you start practical photography <laughs> and shooting with your actors then you go back to the editing room now and you're see shooting the rest of those scenes with re- the real actors on sets and then you have to like you know has uh, to match what you've already it, shot it's, it's insane that is when I heard that I was like oh, oh my shit oh, it's unbelievable <laughs> it's like whoa Mar- Marty it's just another one Great of those Scott. that's heavy again uh, there's just so much going on it's just uh, it's incredible to be able to pull it all off and you know I've always enjoyed the dichotomy between it's like you know when you when you in 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 thought of concept of this movie where it's like how, how can you get someone who's going to top you know Schwarzenegger well you can just get a guy like Robert Patrick this mild mannered looking guy who's sinewy but he's not yeah. jacked i mean you know he's he's yeah. built you Which know, in some ways was the original conception of the Terminator yeah, for the first movie. exactly. They wanted like a Lance Henriksen kind of a guy who can blend into the crowd. When they get him, he's the perfect match because then I love the scenes when they actually tussle. Yeah. You know, and he's like throwing them. Th- it's just, it works so awesome because he's he's so powerful, this little guy. And near the end of it, when they have that last fight in the steel mill, it's really like John Wick shit between two different, you know, the ro- 
robots, like yeah. where they're just throwing each other up. You know, like all that stuff is just amazing. Yeah. You know, the, the, the hands-on of them kind of a thing. Um, another thing I noticed with this viewing, too, is that there's a big motif of trucks in the movie and like the technology and the you know the the, the tech of like a big you know like a freight liner or a, a peterbilt a tractor trailer truck true you know either at the beginning at the truck stops or um you know the wrecker that he commandeers to go after him into the canals and i was thinking of that versus them the robots you know like yeah. you know there's, there's and then at the end of the movie him getting the liquid nitrogen truck and going yeah. you know well, it's interesting because when you because th- i you know you think about that because i think even cameron talks about like the dichotomy of the two of them is like you know uh schwarzenegger is like he's like a big truck or tank yeah and yeah, he's and, like a panzer and the t-1000 robert patrick's like a porsche yeah you know but then you think like okay so like these giant machines well, obviously, like, just the word machine, I mean, it, it plays into it, but, like, trucks. But in this movie, it's Robert Patrick is always driving these giant yeah. trucks. It's not. And then in the first movie, it's Schwarzenegger commandeers the the tanker truck at the end, and he, yeah. you know, whatever it, whatever has gasoline or something in it, you know, like, you know, that kind of a scariness of it, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the I sometimes when, you sit, when you're sitting on, like, the New York City sidewalk and you see some of these big trucks go by or a bus. Oh, yeah. Or you gar- think about it, you just, like, see go by and you're just, like... This big auto There's a little bit by. of, like... It's scary. It is a little bit of an awe. Yeah. You know, it is, like... Sound or... Because then you, you know, think about, like, you know, they, they are, like, these giant metal dinosaurs. Like, yeah. <laughs> huge, you know, like, the power in them and all that kind you of know? thing. And I was, like, I look at them, like, holy shit. And then I think, you know, then my mind goes to, like, a whale is, like, this size. Like, holy shit, there is something, like, this size. But in terms of... I mean, even trying to drive to go down that a little further, I always watch these guys, like, a, like an, a tractor-trailer truck or an 18-wheeler trying to maneuver that in a congested city where you're trying to have to, you know, you always have to make your turn wide so that you make sure your back clears or, yeah, you know, the, yeah. making our... That's why it always says, like... Taking out fucking... Yeah, you know... <laughs> That's what it always says, like, you know, makes wide right turns because you got to make sure you can clear, like, you know, that. I mean, you, everyone gets used to anything, yeah, but it's yeah. like driving a bus or driving something that big, you know, you have to really get used to, like, in, like, a congested traffic in city. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, I think it's no, you know, coincidence or just, a, you know, just a a given of of, you know, contemporary storytelling of having these kinds of, vehicles and stuff in a movie. I mean, I would imagine that it's probably a very clear decision. And it's all the ADR, too. Like, I remember, like, you know, at the beginning, I mean, just like the big... Being in the movie theater in the beginning, freaking opening sequence of that battle with the Stan Winston uh, endoskeletons that are all like puppets. Yeah. They're all like, you know, like animatronic mannequins or whatever. And then seeing this huge epic battle to like the credits dun, 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 and with the flames <laughs> and then gradually the T-800 skull coming dun, 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 and then right T-2 and it closes and then it's the it's the grill of a rig and then you have like that growly and it's someone turning their truck on the rig's yeah. leaving the truck I mean, the stop. sound design in this movie it's you know it's like amazing um, another thing from the novelization from the Terminator 2 novelization is that the beginning once you get past that opening sequence and we get to the present day of the movie where there's a guy in it named Dana Short he's driving like a produce truck and he almost he's not paying attention and he almost, I think he looks down and he almost like slams on his brakes and he feels like the truck, like, you know, behind him, like coming up. He's like, oh my God, he gets scared. So he takes the exit and he parks 
and he parks at the truck stop. And they say yeah. like if he if he waited a couple seconds longer, he would have saw the T eight hundred coming. Yeah. You know, because I didn't realize in both movies, but it's you also get a electrical uh, electromagnetic. Which kind of plays in the first movie, where like the 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 guy with the with the garbage truck at Griffith Park, the yeah. garbage truck stops working. But yeah, I never made yeah. the association that you're actually having like a, what do you, an EMP kind of a situation where everything around you is going to turn off. Yeah. So this this poor guy, his name's Dana Short in the novelization. He goes inside the truck stop, he sees the whole opening sequence, and then he cuts it to the end. He was so spooked by what happened a couple days before, he switches routes and he grabs. With another guy, he was going south with the produce truck. He switches routes and he's going north with the li- liquid nitrogen truck, <laughs> and that's him. The yeah. same character is supposed to be as that when he when the, he gets commandeered by the ni- liquid nitrogen truck and the T one thousand knifes him. It's this guy Dana Shore, D A N A. It's interesting because uh, it makes you sure, like yeah all these little uh, the same thing. The guy the. the it, um, the writer of Terminator 2, his name, uh, we said the co-writer, was uh, Bill Wisher. Yeah. He is in the first, he, he co-wrote the novelization, the first movie's novelization. He's in the first movie. He is the cop 1L19 that when the Terminator, when when he when they break out of tech noir and they get away and, and the Terminator singed himself and the cops say, like, this is 1L19, I got a hit and run suspect, you know, and the Terminator grabs him by the, hits his head on the column, throws him back, gets in and commandeers the cop car and goes, that's that guy. He flashed the Terminator 2 when they're tussling in the mall, yeah. the T-1000 throws him through the window and the guy starts getting up and the guys, the other guy's taking pictures of the source they're getting up. It's the same guy. It's Bill Wisher who now went on to co-write the Terminator 2 movie with Cameron. Yeah. And Cameron has confirmed that he's supposed to be the same guy who has now retired as an LAPD and that's his, that's his realization. Like, oh my God, like he's snapping guy. the picture away because he remembers that's the guy from... 15 years ago or 10 years ago yeah. it's all, all these little and then before we leave um, I always loved ever since I was a child the, that, that little beautiful look of the T-1000 turns and he sees the silver mannequin yeah, yeah. and he looks at it and it's just such a great moment that you didn't need to have in it but it just it's so brilliant because you realize it's kind of puzzled because that's what it looks like but we haven't seen him that way exactly yet, though, right? but that's the kind of like he's yeah. He's like, what the fuck? And he keeps, you know, it's like all these little inferences. It's interesting that, you know, I mean, obviously they're in the novelizations and not in the movie necessarily, or at least explained in the movie. But it's interesting that there would be these characters that, because like a big theme of the the second movie is that like there's no fate. Yeah, there's no fate for we make her ourselves. <laughs> Which is like from a deleted scene. It might be from the deleted scene in Terminator 1. Is it the, from the scene where when they come out of the, when they sleep together in the underpass and they walk, you know, there's oh, a maybe. scene, you know, when they come out together and he's like, he starts freaking out a little bit and she's like, you got to come down. And I think he may see it. He may say it there to her, but whatever yeah. that, that mantra is, it's from a deleted scene from the first so movie. So it's kind of contradictory in yeah. that, I mean, maybe it's, because it's never explained in the movie, you can't really speculate on it. But if you were reading the novels, you could, you reading, if you're going with the novel novelizations, you can say that like, it's a weird foreshadowing that they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Or maybe they did because it, maybe it's fate. So whatever they do, it's already, you know, it's that, it's that, it's that, what do you call it? It's like a, it's a, 
Huh, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, a paradox. Yeah. You know, it's like are the, maybe they think they're choosing, but the, its fate is already forecasted. You know, it's yeah. like what is it? Is it is anything we do predetermined, or is it fate? We were just talking about last week, uh, assault on precinct thirteen. We were last oh, episode yeah. about fate. The whole movie's based on fate. Had um, the guy not stopped to get directions at the. Uh, the phone booth his girl wouldn't have gone because they hadn't had breakfast to the ice cream truck and if she hadn't gone to the ice cream truck and got the wrong flavor she wouldn't have been killed and then that you know and it begets them a seek revenge yeah, and then Frank Double Day and then the yeah. precinct and, and then, then the, the whole gang wouldn't have come to the precinct yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like it's like here it's it's kind of the, the you know uh, everything has been because then it becomes a paradox where you have to keep sending Kyle back or what, what's first the chicken or the egg is it that Kyle yeah. ha, you know was well, sent back was first or is it husband you know one, yeah you know. It, it, I mean there were time travel movies before that and, and obviously like we were kids when we when we saw the first one so there weren't that many time travel movies like under our belts yet for me as a viewer a huge uh, aside from back to the future I guess but I don't remember. I had to have seen Terminator before Back to the Future chrono- uh, chronologically. But I had seen uh, The Final Countdown, and yeah. that was a huge movie for me as a kid. That crazy, you know, with the with the aircraft carrier sure. going through that storm and the, that crazy yeah, storm. Yeah. So that was – so, like, time travel was on the brain. And, and you kind of forget that these are time travel movies or that these are – you know, there's so. What do you? You know, you can classify these as horror movies. You can classify these as thrillers. They can be action movies. They can be time yeah. travel movies. They can be. I'd say this robot I mean, movies. I you know, even, I guess the T1000 is pretty horrific. I think the first one plays more like a horror movie than the second yeah, one. Yeah, definitely, does. especially with the um, the beats and the the, the music and the pacing. This yeah. one's a little more polished yeah. and a little more like has like a glisten and a sheen on it where the the first one didn't. But, but but my point was only that like the, this idea of like mind boggling like time travel logic you know at least for a, a young viewer like myself at the time when Terminator came out like I didn't have a whole lot this of, is fucking crazy <laughs> yeah it was like what and my dad trying to explain yeah what the, the like well he's the f- dad yeah <laughs> But how but is how it, could he? Be it's an Einstein Rosenbridge. It's like, what the, how the fuck? It's like, you yeah. know, it's just. But it's that's the kind of shit that like I eat up as like a science fiction and a and a movie. If you fan. can do it right, I mean, it's just it's. I, I mean, I, I can't. It's like for me, this movie. It's one of those movies where like I, I had it so much with me for so many years, and then like you, when you know once we hit college or high school, I kind of like put it away. And I've always, you know, and then I may not come back to it. Uh, but, like, it's this movie's such a favorite of mine, as well as the first movie. Uh, there's just so much going on. You can just pick out so much in these movies about the little nuances of this and that. You know, Robert Patrick's performance or Schwarzenegger's performance of, or even, you know, Eddie Furlong. Well, the, the, they talk about how they were thinking of casting the kid who was in Dick Tracy. And we did Dick Tracy on this podcast. Yeah. But he... I guess was doing what about Bob at the time, and and uh, he ends up growing up and doing other stuff. Isn't he in Can't Hardly Wait? He's in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, uh, it's just like all these little things are like you know Linda Hamilton coming back and looking badass and hot as hell, like you know. And I love them continuing this progression of these characters that she's now in a psychiatric hospital because she tried to blow up, you know, the Cyberdyne systems, and then you have Miles Dyson, uh, which is J- Joe Morton, I think his name is. You know, and what him going on, and his wife, who's the the um, the girl who now has made a 
kind of career for herself on SVU. Yeah. You know, being the captain in the precinct. It's like all these little nuanced stuff. And I think she even shows up on the on the Sarah Chronicle. Sarah Chronicle. Con- Connor Chronicles. This Con- Connor Chronicles. That was that short-lived two-season TV show, which yeah. I guess which was pretty good. Yeah, I watched a couple of them, but I I guess they they took it from Terminator 2 that they, they acted like Terminator 3 didn't happen yeah uh, which is cool I would like to go back and revisit them now because it's the girl Sarah Connor the girl who went on to go now do um, I think she's, she's in, in Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones yeah. and maybe even she's the bad guy in Dread Dread yeah she's awesome in Dread yeah, yeah. Uh, she's got like a hot little haircut in Dread, it was you know? a pretty good show um, it was and the girl from uh, from Firefly Fi- Firefly plays uh the robot, right? She comes yeah. back. It's a protector, or whatever. I don't remember who's a John. If, who the John Connor? John character. Connor was uh, played by. I mean, this is a real obs- obs- not obscure movie, but an obscure reference. He was the main little kid in the John Carpenter Village. <laughs> oh Jesus! It's been so many years since I've seen that. But I forget <laughs> Carpenter remade Village of the Dam. Yeah, that's but like Christopher Reeve's last movie, I think. Before he got had his accident, accident yeah, yeah. I think it might have been. Yeah. yeah, but my point was only that uh, what I was getting at was that it was a good, it was a great idea, it was a well executed show, like a regular net because it was on Fox, yeah, like a regular network channel, yeah, which unfortunately just like not the place for it. It's hard to have because like it was a, trying. It was a pretty dark. And uh, like I don't know what Fox was kind of thinking that like the show like that could live on, you know, primetime. I wonder network. if it, if it, they, it, it could came out now. now. Yeah, it could yeah. now. Yeah. But at the Back time, then, you needed like a Walking Dead to come out. Yeah, before, like yeah. we hadn't had things like that. Yeah, yet. you had the Sopranos, but nothing like on like you know like the Shield had happened. But this is still not before was, AMC so in stuff. Some, in some ways, it was kind of ahead of its time. You needed like a Breaking Bad or whatever first. Yeah. Or the, uh, well, the, what is that? But yeah. to be on Fox at a time before things like Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and, you the, know. The Biker Show. Yeah. Whatever that show I was. Forget, I forget the name. Everyone loves shit. Uh, <laughs> Lords of, no. Um, Lords of Flatbush. Lords of Flatbush. <laughs> uh, you know. Lord the, of Illusion. Lords of Illusion, that, that biker gang. Uh, the Marlboro but, yeah. Man. But it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. M- music uh, was by, for that was by, for the show was by Barry McCreary, who went on to do things like Walking Dead and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, a lot of great movies, including one of my recent favorite time travel movies, which is uh, Happy Death Day to You. Um, but it was what's interesting, and, and this could, you know, this could be parlayed to, to the Brad Fidel, Fidel yeah. music is... The unfortunate thing for the tel- that television show is they couldn't the Terminator the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles they couldn't they didn't pay for all the music so the only His thing, stuff yeah so all they had was a dun 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 oh that's terrible they just had the notes for like that that part and then Bear was kind of it told that it's a continuation of two so he had to go and try to emulate a lot of the sounds that Brad Fidel was using in the first two Terminators, but couldn't use any of that music. That's because that's so it's so, at, especially like the first sound, the soundtrack is it, 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 it does this beautiful balance of like, um, uh, industrial kind of sounds and stuff mixed with that beautiful, like eighties dark 
techno rock, yeah. like club rock. Uh, and I forget the name of the band that's on there, like, you know, get the, the uh, you know, da, ya, ya. I forget that, you know, or I'm burning up, um, you know. And then when the second movie, when this, when this mo- second movie came out, this movie, I bought on tape the score, you know. And yeah. listening to that, and then you know, such a great theme for the T one thousand. You know, like all the, it has all everything has its own you know themes and stuff. It's just a great build. You know, and he's using like frying pans. It's a very Tom Waits like they're getting that <laughs> yeah, sound, yeah. and you know, well, they, those you know, composers will use whatever they can. Yeah, find and they, they they're like sound junkies. You know, like just they're, they're always looking for that sound. And, and what's more metallic than like a. The frying, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, it's it's just the, the soundtrack for both movies, the first one and this one, is just so good. He does such a good job. I was kind of shocked that he didn't go on to do, like, more big things. Like, he didn't have, like, an Alan Silvestri kind of career. Because, uh, you know, like, the Terminator... I mean, obviously, the first Terminator was a fairly low-budget movie, but a huge success. And then this was a giant movie. I mean, he had done... Before this, he had done uh, a horror movie. I believe he did Just Before Dawn by Jeff Lieberman, who also did Squirm. And uh, I think he did the music for Fright Night, which I covered on as a sidecast with uh, the great Mighty Mike Vanderbilt several years ago. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else. I mean, obviously, he did more than that, and I'm sure he did other great movies. Those are the ones that come to mind. But like, he never had... To my re- to my recollection, never had like that to go on to do like, uh, you know, like a big mainstream, but, yeah, you know, or like, a, like these superhero movies yeah. with the, some of these guys that were from the eighties that were doing things like Back to the Future are able to do. You yeah, know, um, I picked like up Horner and Sylvester and and all these guys, but uh, I mean, because this movie, because this. Stuff is iconic. Yeah, they re-released um, the first movie soundtrack on vinyl a couple years ago. And I they did. That up, I think they gorgeous. did this one too. Then, but they all both sold out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's even the records are like blue and di- different color. The two records, and they, they look like the time travel, the electricity and stuff in them. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's. I mean, the, the original soundtrack I absolutely love. I love it more than this one, but this one has a phenomenal. Uh, just you know, all the kind of. It, it's at some point you don't even realize you're hearing. It's there's not. I mean, there are melodies and stuff, but a lot of it almost is like kind of an, a, um, another level of the sound sure. design in here. Where I mean, there's so much. You know, you think of the ADR that must have been involved with the sounds of the scenes. Like I mean, even fully. Yeah, I mean, even the, in the theater, like I love the the idea of you see the the the, the security guard from the uh, asylum walking, and the camera pans, and you hear the shoe sound change. It comes back. It's the team with that. I mean, just stuff like that. It's just. Yeah. Or at the end of the movie, I noticed when she's got the sh- the riot shotgun and she's blasting the T one thousand almost over, and you can hear her pumping it. You can hear the cartridges falling onto the. Like they're that, you know, uh, they're they're that minuscule and level of you know, so you can hear the 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 actual cartridge fall onto sure. the grating and stuff. Well, I mean, you think about like a guy like Jim Cameron who's going to, you know, painstaking detail to create technology to advance technology that he didn't create, but to, like, of course, yeah, like. 
you know, it's not going to end with the visuals. No. You know, it's like, it's going to be well, he makes full, th- fully immer- immer- immersive uh, experience. I think he makes that point where you talk about sound design. He's like, you know, since we've gotten talkies, and this is going towards like computer gener- generated yeah. effects. He's talking about like people that might be anti CGI. Yeah. Or especially back then. And he was saying. You know, when it was new and people were hesitant to use it. Yeah. And he's saying like, well, since talkies, you're always working on sound design, you know, so why can't you be doing the same thing with picture? Like you didn't like when you have a soundtrack to a movie, not, not the music, but the overall soundtrack. So you have the dialogue that you might ADR record over because there's, it doesn't sound good. Like right now, we're in my mom's, you know, we're under the <laughs> stairs, so you might hear, you know. And I are going to read ADR the <laughs> We're going to ADR the, <laughs> do the entire thing in the, in the room, in the, yeah, we're going to pay for studio time. But so not only are you going to do that, but you're going to add ambient sounds for where they are. Yeah. Or for, uh, you're gonna, they're going to add all the Foley sound effects, the, the leather of the Yeah, his biker jacket. Biker you know, jacket. You're going to add all that. The gunshots. You're going to, uh, f- you know, then you're going to add music, like. The sound, like the production sound, you're not going to just get that, and then that's going to be like some sacred thing that's going to follow the movie from production all the way through to to the film screening. It's you know you're you're constantly working on that. So his his attitude was, why would the picture be any different? Why was why are what we shoot on set is going to be the only thing that we can use? Like of course, like if the technology permits it, we're going to tweak it. We're going to eliminate the wires that we couldn't eliminate yeah. you know back in the day or we're going to add a background you know to something now because that's seems to be where like cgi seems to be the most seamless now because yeah. you watch television shows and if you see like a behind the scenes like you realize that they're just like on a soundstage or even the movies these movies now like these marvel movies like some to me my personal opinion some of them look so phony and then you look at like them shooting it. They're just on a soundstage, green. The entire movie is green. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. two actors on a green screen set with nothing there. And even the actors are not even wearing their costumes. Their costume's going to be CG yeah, later yeah. on, or Crazy. you know, the the villain's going to be CG, and they're on stilts. And then you know, it's it's so it's just so. I mean, one could argue that it's it's going too far. Yeah, um, you know, it's not aiding the story. It's well, it's, it's like you know, you know the, like they're doing the. They did a quote-unquote live-action Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Which we covered the original uh, Disney cartoon Disney yeah. version. And they just basically kind of... I mean, I didn't see the remake or this live-action one. But it, you assume that it's pretty much just the... For the most part, just a, a live-action remake of the cartoon. And now... With this kind of same song. They're doing Aladdin. Yeah. And they're doing... Lion King. Lion King. But when you think about Lion King, it's like... So, okay, like with Aladdin... The genie is a cartoon still. It's a cartoon Will Smith for some of it. But with Lion King and, like, the Jungle Book, even more so with Lion King, is that it's just another cartoon. Yeah. It's just that it's done with a computer and not with a not, pencil not and real paper and ink. And they're paint. not using real animals. They're <laughs> yeah. using, like, CG. You know, it's yeah. just it's another, it's animation. It's just animation different the 21st different century versus the 20th century. Yeah. But it's it's which is like for me kind of maddening because it's like why like why, but I mean it, there's money to be made you know there's gold in that's them, why. their hills and that's why you realize and, you can you can and I, I guess there's generations of kids that have grown up where they would rather watch that kind of animation versus 
you know, this 2D animation that we grew up on. I mean, there's... But I remember for a while there was um, the Disney, they, they did like the Prince and the Frog, and they for some reason I heard that they said that that was going to be the last, like, animated movie they did with, like, you know, drawing, and then... They came out with something else, re- and they, I think they started it up again. They, you know, they they're not going to just do Pixar, like Wreck It Ralph yeah. or Toy Story or these movies, these live actions. They 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 did something else recently, which I'm forgetting the name of, which was a back to like a cartoon drawing. Disney, you know, so there is a, but it does seem like for a minute there, it's like these Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies. They're all becoming to me the Marvel. I mean, I don't know if this is sacrilege for people who are listening. I'm not the biggest fan of these Marvel movies. To me, they're just all one big movie. Yeah. I go watch them. I can't tell what the hell. You know, I've only seen them once, so they're all just this long. You know, like soap opera to me. I can't tell what happened in what movie with what, you know. <laughs> so it's just, you know, even Star Wars is kind of getting like that now with these newer movies, you know. So it's it's hard when it, 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 it even the, the last Hobbit stuff, you know, that it's like when, when, you know, it's kind of, you know, I don't know if it's because now you're getting where there's no form, there's no realism. I mean, everything within the shot is... CG so that there's no kind of frame of reference yeah. or I don't know you know it's it's you know you're putting the cart in front of the horse with there's just it's so much done so that it looks like a video game but then maybe because people have grown up with video games that, that look like that <laughs> yeah that, that they think it's okay like as opposed yeah. to like the stuff like like I, we said before like to me stuff in this movie looks better than some of the stuff that's coming out today sure. you know or even the stuff that well, went even when we did Jurassic Park I was yeah by that the stuff in Jurassic Park for the most part yeah you know, not one hundred percent of it, but there's a lot. So there's a lot of stuff in Jurassic Park that really fucking holds up well, man. But I wonder if that's also crazy. if it's you know Stan Winston coming in and then them mirroring having the idea of where they can replace practical. Oh yeah, because that was the thing with a lot of these movies is you, if you rely too much on the not I guess nowadays it, people don't care, but back in the nineties if you're relying so much solely on doing the CGI yeah, and the... Get, like, spawned. Yeah, you know, where it's just the whole movie is you're relying on that crutch of... You're not coming... You're not using it to aid the story. You're, you're using it to tell the... You know, it's... Yeah. I don't know. You know, we're, we're getting into... There was some interesting videos that... You know, we were passing back and forth with one of the people that follows us follows us on Facebook. Somebody sent us a, a video, and it was talking about why does CGI today that look as good as CGI back then. And there was some interesting points. Um, you know, maybe we can post it or I'll, or I'll put it on, you know, uh, if we don't even, if we don't put it on our site, we'll maybe, you know, just share it on social media. But uh, it's it's all, I mean, it's all interesting. I mean, this this the idea of special effects and cinema. I mean, it is magic. I mean, it's all magic. And it's what, you know, even when it wasn't special effects, you know, the, the, idea that you could be transported to, you know, Casablanca, which is a place that most of us will never go or really never even know where it is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like during World War Two and be caught up wrapped up in this romance of what's going on. Uh we'll always have Morocco. You, you know, know I mean it's it's narrative storytelling I mean, and documentary storytelling. I mean it's what a good book does. I and mean, it's what the great novelizations of Terminator movies <laughs> yeah, do. <just laughs> the great novelizations of do you know, you know it's 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 a it's an amazing thing and it's it is why this podcast and so many other podcasts that also talk about movies exist. It's because, you know, you can watch something like Terminator Two and just especially as a 
12-year-old kid or whatever. Oh, Jesus. And just be like, oh, my God. You know, when you have, when you still have that spark of imagination, you know, when it hasn't been, you know, beaten out of you yet by, by life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which is something that Deanna and I still strive to keep alive. But, uh, you know, it's amazing to watch something like that and just be swept away into, like, this magical world in this insane mind of this guy named James Cameron who pure imagination <laughs> come with me you will see uh, should we run through a couple of trivial things yeah let's let's so we people know what the plot is I mean the plot yeah, is we have yeah. to look I'm, we're gonna assume you've seen, seen yeah let's hope so <laughs> so if you haven't go stop down and see it but you know they have to save the world against the T-1000 and the T-800 um so I mean, there's a lot. We could spend the whole episode just talking about breaking down the script and talking about like how brilliant things are. I mean, there are things that you know I could point. You know, there are things that I could point to if I'm going to nitpick stuff. I mean, I think it would have been really interesting if he, T1000 shows up as metal, and then when that cop comes, like the first guy that he encounters is Robert Patrick, and he takes over that guy's thing. But then you are revealing, you're showing your hand. That you never, too early in the movie that he's metal. That he's it'd not be a interesting. Person. You never know what he really looks like. Like yeah. his base model isn't Robert Patrick. The the guy in the novelization, his name is Joe Lucky Austin, the cop, <laughs> and his uh, his partner got food poisoning, and that's why he, <coughs> that's why he's on that shift. He's only getting some OT because the other guy got some food poisoning. He's out alone, and then he sees the electrical disturbance, goes out, and he gets killed. And then, so the T-1000, and his badge is 473. The T-1000 must, that's his base. Uh, or it's, I mean, yeah, I guess, because the computers aren't, I was going to say maybe that, you know, he touched somebody before he went, in, but there was, he was no, being sent I think, back by the machines. There yeah. was no people there. Because yeah, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on because at the end of the movie, we cut to the end, and when he falls into the, into the stuff, they talk about there, um, the, when you start seeing him changing, it's because he's glitch, his yeah. the body can't process, there's, there's so much damage from the heat or whatever when he's melting. It's trying to, to go back to one and reset but it can't, so that's why it's going through. Because when I was little, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> just, it's just an orgasm of, you know, you don't know what's happening. But yeah, it's because yeah. it's going through every everybody he's cloned because yeah. he's trying to get back, reset to what he's supposed to be. So, in it's the, like the thing in that way, yeah, you know, it's 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 like you're trying to you figure it like in the thing. You don't know what his base really is. I you mean, know, they speculate that he can imitate anything he's ever imitated. Yeah, you know, it's it's so it's like that's what kind of happens. Um, you know, and then it's it's almost also the learning computer where like the t, you know the T one thousand, you know, it's it's learning this or that. So yeah, it's it's that's interesting. And and then and again, we keep bringing the novelizations up. You learn a lot of it's for me. The novelization of Terminator Two uh, was that like I don't I didn't look at the T eight hundred so much as Schwarzenegger. So it was kind of like I didn't have that baggage of Schwarzenegger with the T one thousand. You're learning about him and like you know that he's more of a robot and you know of of him. Being a computer, it's it's all very it's it's yeah. it's fascinating to My me. My other thing about could be nitpicky, and it's, we never see it. I'm sure they take care of it, but the idea of like this is all this this whole second movie is revolving around the fact that the, like the arm, oh, from the first movie. is the first movie's left, and yet like we don't ever see that. All we see is that like they leave another arm 
in the steel mill. Well, they leave everything in the steel mill. There's legs. There's so there's a deleted scene from the first movie. <laughs> but then, but like in the second one, because his arm gets crunched into those like in those turbines. Oh, you're talking about in the second in the steel mill. In yeah, the second yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, you're saying that there's like stuff. I'm, I yeah. Gu- I'm guessing that they went and they because they don't know where he lost it. They're yeah. Sarah and John are combing this place. Well, that's the, well, they may not even. That's the thing. It's like it's like the what is that? The butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like you walk out. You know, it's like whatever you touch is going to have a ripple in time. So for all we know, you could have that be a basis. Because that was my idea when I watched Terminator Two. Was like if if from the first movie, if the arm has survived the first movie that reached out to her before he was crushed, you still have when everything blew up the legs, the chassis, whatever was the the, the femur, the, whatever that the pelvis until yeah. it gets everything gets crushed, it's sure, still in yeah. there. So, and the, there's a deleted scene from the first movie where it's like you see two guys that are in that building, they find everything, like don't yeah. hand it over to the cops, and then it's like at the end of it, which I don't know why they could have kept some of this in here. You see her being carried out to the ambulance. They get into the ambulance shut the doors and then the camera pans and it looks at the building and the building's a cybernine you know so it's a hint at what the you know oh my god they inadvertently started the future so it's very ominous yeah and yeah. he said he cameron deleted that didn't include that scene in the first movie but that was also helped be the like the seed for the second movie you yeah, know yeah. Where, where the evolution would go Even though we didn't see it in the first movie it, you know it existed in the mind of cameron so yeah it was what and they shot the it all like, yeah yeah but my point is only that there's a they leave in the steel mill at the end of the second movie there's a terminator arm yeah somewhere <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> somewhere that gear somewhere crushed in that giant yeah. gear i mean it's it's so you know even the idea of like you know at that point when when the term when the t-1000 breaks off you know is, is coming off the back of the car and he shoots it off and there's that tip that john connor actually that was always freaky to me that he physically touches the t-1 and oh, throws yeah, it away yeah. and the, so there is a contact which means that he I don't know, but maybe not because maybe he lost his Bluetooth. You know, because I mean? he's so far away. You know, <laughs> that he could have maybe copied John. Connor. Yeah, you know, t- theoretically, yeah, whatever. You know, uh, yeah, it's just so it's, there's 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 so much endless. You know, kind of because the idea of what I was saying before. I mean, this is. I mean, it's I, it's all conversation about the movie, but the fact that like he comes back as Robert Patrick, like he could have come back as anything. You know, like his base. Yeah, he could have been a. No, just a cube or a yeah there's something it could have know, been you know but, but it's it like comes back as a man it's like it's like so that's another thing with the, with 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 the terminators it's like there's the t-800 is the endoskeleton yeah. and the model 101 is the schwarzenegger skin look mm-hmm. so the t-1000 must be robert patrick you know his and then the naked robert patrick and then the first thing he finds he's gonna Assimilate, and then you know. I mean, it's a perfect disguise. Him being a cop, you know. It's it's, uh, and then being able to, be, you know. Then again, it's that like he, the cop is supposed to be the protector. My you know, pet peeve about the third one, which and we saw again in the theater. We did see together. The July the fourth weekend, two thousand three. Uh, which that is I- the weekend that we watched the Pee Wee Herman's uh, director's commentary. <laughs> Which going back to the Pee Wee Herman movie, that was the long weekend from when we did Pee Wee's Big Adventure earlier this year. Was that I always felt the Terminator in the the bad Terminator in the Girl. third one? Yeah, was like a step backwards from Robert. Yeah, Patrick. they didn't know what to do, and then they didn't really. Like she develop was like a combination well. of the two, but the combination of the two in my mind was like an inferior model. Then yeah, why would she have that? She, I mean, she could have moving parts. She could change it to like gun hands or whatever, if I recall correctly. Yeah, don't whereas remember. Robert Patrick can only be stabbing weapons because he can't have moving parts. Yeah. So in that way, I guess it's advanced. But 
I always felt that the Robert Patrick was a much more the T one thousand was a much much sleeker. Model. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> and he trained to, to to be able to run fast dis- distances and not look fatigue. And uh, another thing we go back to, we just did John Wick, and it's like the they did the extensive gun training on the range of learning them how to fire. And a lot of the aficionados yeah. say how good he is. With that again, the Beretta that we talk about in uh, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, he's got a Beretta shooting it left-handed style, like I'm left-handed, uh, and he's shooting so quick it amazes everybody that he was able to yeah. shoot his quick reload. They didn't have to speed it up, and then if you look at his face, he's not flinching. Yeah, you yeah. know that's a big thing. Like he, you know, it'd be hard if if it, he's a robot and then he's flinching when he's shooting the gun, <laughs> like we get. What do we say? Alan Rickman from Die Hard was flinching when he shoot that gun off. Yeah, yeah. So, but he worked at it so that he'd be like a robot, wouldn't flinch. You know, he's not flinching when he's shooting. I was that like Beretta. Robert Patrick going back to X Files and and Die Hard Two, <laughs> a sitting duck, <laughs> but a fire a in cool, the sky. It was a cool surfaces, cool surface with Terry Hatcher. Yeah, erotic thriller. Yeah, you love fire that. in the sky. Is big. Fire I'm, in the I'm, sky. Big, I'm a big fan of Fire in the Guy. Yeah, my wife uh, knows that guy, but that's another story. Uh, uh, Copland, Copland. <laughs> he's great in Copland. He's great at, in X Files when he replaced the David Duchovny. Scorpion. He's great in Scorpion. Short-lived CBS television. Show. Yeah. Um, but since Robert, we're talking about Robert Patrick, maybe we could do little what if games. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and all this stuff is cultivated from the internet, so who knows if it's true? But so allegedly, and we're making it all up too. Allegedly, uh, Cameron had originally thought of Billy Idol as the T-1000. Now, this is really interesting, and I'm going to tell you why, Blake. <laughs> because I'm a big Doors fan, yeah. and uh, suddenly I'm doing this accent I've never done before. Uh, it's weird. I get, <laughs> I, I'll never be able to do that accent again. Um, I'm a big fan of the Doors, and then I'd seen the Oliver Stone movie tons of times. And uh, uh, for some reason, well, not for some reason, Billy Idol shows up in the movie in yeah. bit parts. And you're like, oh, shit, that's Billy Idol. What's he doing here? And then he's gone again. And they never really established. He's just like a roadie with him. And there's some part in the Doors movie, I think it's around the era of like the Morrison Hotel era of the band, uh, Roadhouse Blues, that they're like drinking in a bar. And, you know, Morrison's got the beard. He's hammered. That Billy Idol comes in. And he's got a, he's, he's, he's in a cast. And he's walking on, and I was like, you're like, what the, and they never, you know, you never make mention of what the hell that is. And then we go, that movie comes out, I think, 1991 or 90, it's filmed in 90, maybe it comes out in 91. But in this trivia, it says that he, he was in what, a, uh, some sort of car a accident, my old motorcycle accident, broke his leg. And supposedly, you know, that was one of the reasons why he wasn't picked for this movie, because he had a cast on his leg, and then they cite the doors you know, you see in the door, she's got a cat. I was like, oh, yeah, he does. Holy shit. That's why, you know. But for me, you know, I don't know how good of an, you know, I mean, is he going to be like a Cockney, uh, you know? <laughs> um, he's going to be like Mick Jagger, you know? Like, you know. Yeah, for some reason, all the Terminator have thick accents. Yeah, you know. It's for a, realism. <laughs> yeah, just for realism only. Uh, so that would have been weird to have Billy Idol. I mean, I think he would look cool as hell, like, you know, yeah. aesthetically. You know, he kind of has that look. Although he doesn't, to me, he's not more jacked. He's more of like the Mick Jagger, like thin, yeah. you know, uh, Michael DeBar kind of like, you know, what, you know what I mean? Like he's like that got that like that sleek, you know, like that not <laughs> heroin. That nobody mentions Michael DeBar on a podcast <laughs> as, as, much much as, as, as much as us. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Then there's the other guy, right? There's the, um, the there's another guy from Wasp. Yeah. Which he says. I mean, who knows? He claims. Yeah, in some sort of. Uh, Blackie Law- Lawless from Wasp. He claims the that heavy metal they band. approached him, but 
turned out he was way taller than they realized that he was like over six feet or something because yeah, Schwarzenegger is a small guy I met him several times and it's funny because I met him when he's the governor and stuff of California and it's he's the kind of guy where I guess you know as you get older you get shorter so yeah, yeah. you know I didn't meet him in his prime but he's he's my height or so he's a little taller than me but his hands are like twice the size of mine and you know when you see him walking in so you know you see these guys or Stallone I've met where he's you know they're, they're not as tall yeah. as you think they are yeah, you know Stallone's it's so only like five ten. it's weird and and still, and Schwarzenegger's around that height. You know, yeah. he's like five eleven or so. I'm five eleven, so he's maybe five eleven, six foot. You know, but you think when you see five him, like 12. in Predator, five, 5 twelve, <laughs> five thirteen. You know, so it's like when you see him, like when you see him in Predator or Running Man, you think he's Hercules in New York. He's like six five, but yeah, he's not yeah. really. You know, so it's weird. So I guess it would be harder if you're getting a guy who's like six six. Mm-hmm. Or six five to play opposite him, and then you're getting like an Alan Ladd kind of a thing. You know, yeah. you don't got to put him in a trench. Another alleged uh, what if game is one of your favorite actors, Dion. Me? Yeah, but apparently there was talks or it was offered uh, the character of Miles Dyson was offered to Denzel Washington. I, know. I don't know why he's my favorite actor. You say that, but yeah, I do I like. like <laughs> You've gone to see everything that he's done on Broadway. I've seen Fences, and I saw um, you saw Julius Hamlet. Caesar. I saw Juliet Caesar. You didn't see Hamlet? I didn't see Hamlet. Hamlet. No, I, I missed that. And I missed Iceman Cometh. I thought you went. I, it, you, you know, it turned into one of these things where I was like, I will see everything that he said. <laughs> and I have only saw two of them. And then I was like, oh, I didn't get to see him. You know, because it's expensive. you saw anything that he was on in yeah. Broadway. Well, Ju- Julius Caesar and the Fences was good. And the Fences ended up becoming the movie with the cast from the play. But, uh... Yeah, he he was offered Miles Dyson, but he said he didn't want it because he was just him running around and you know breathing heavy and yeah. crying and shit. So but, I don't. I mean, but, you know, uh, I like Joe Morton. Yeah, I do name? too. Yeah, yeah he's good. great in this. Yeah, he's in. A, he's I like a, him in everything. That yeah, guy. he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I loved him in Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know he's he's in. A, there's another movie I saw him in at the beginning where he's like he's with an he's he's with another guy who's cross dressing and they're cops. I forget the name of it. There's another movie I saw him in from like the early '80s. I'm like, hey, look who that is, you know? And he's done a lot of stuff since then. Uh, I mean, there was even uh, I guess talk at the outset to even have Michael Bean be the the bad guy. That would have been interesting. But then they said it would just be too confusing to the audience that if, if he comes back as a Terminator or as they would have thousand like that now. Have him. Be I feel the, like back then they were. People weren't giving credit as much credit to the audience, to the bean, or to to, to, to the beaner, to the or, audience, or to the audience. Oh, that like I think now somebody would have been like, "Oh, get this! I will have Michael Bean." It's gonna the be fucking, fucking thing. I don't, you know, there might be somebody that's like, I don't know, that might be too confusing, and then you'd be like, "Shut up, we're doing it. <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> it's a great well, idea." Well, you know, it's 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 something that where I wonder if if um, Cameron, you know, you know, had a hard on for it if he could have got it done, you know. Uh, I mean, there was a whole thing where the reason why it took so long to make this movie was because there was an issue with Carol Co., right? That the that some other company owned fifty percent of the rights. Yeah. So he had to wait for the rights to go up. So he couldn't. He couldn't. They were dragging their feet for some reason about being able to do a sequel, and then. Uh, I think it no, was they were no. It wasn't. It wasn't Carol Cole. It was another thing. So then Schwarzenegger was doing Total Recall with Carol Cole, and he told that guy Mario Cazaro, yeah. or he was like, "Hey, Mario Puzo." Yeah, Mario Puzo. <laughs> he went to Mario Puzo, and he's like, "See," and he said, "Um, you know, uh, this is a po- project I'd li- I've been wanting to do for years. I'd like you to bid on it." And then they yeah. did, and they they bought the rights, and that's how they were able to get the project going to get Terminator Two rolling. Uh, apparently, it was I think a company named Hemdale. I think yeah. For some reason they owned 50% of the rights 
And so, yeah, it was Schwarzenegger that said, and apparently Hemdell was not doing well financially, so I don't know why they wouldn't make, want to make a movie. Yeah, maybe well. they couldn't afford to make a Maybe they were so... F- Although they could have found investors. Who knows the way the business works? Yeah, I mean, you have Jim Cameron, who's, you know, he just he did Aliens, which was huge. He did The Abyss. I mean, what's, what's the he problem? He was going to do Titanic. He was going to do Titanic in a couple of years. You know, I mean, he was at the time was even signed on to do Spider-Man, wasn't he? That You know, I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff in the 90s he almost did. Yeah. Uh, or maybe, you know. Strange so, Days. Strange Days, which he wrote, right, maybe? He wrote, maybe produced. Yeah. And that has to do with them shooting that biker scene in the it's Rodney Catherine King. Bigelow, I think. Which is, his, which is yeah, which is his ex-wife at the time. Um, but they had shot that biker bar scene across the street from where the cops beat up Rodney King, and it supposedly happened during the filming. And then the influence of them getting off was what gave uh, Cameron the idea of writing Strange Days. Maybe with the idea of directing, I don't know. Like we said a couple weeks ago, I've never seen Strange Days. I just saw it... Re- I watched it on New Year's And you told Eve. me that they have the Doors song Strange Days in it, which I never, in all my all, the, all my life, I've been like, why don't you use the song in the movie? But you said that they did a co- cover of it, which has yeah. escaped me all these years. I believe it's Ray Manzarek, too. And I want to say, you have to, you'd have to read Scored to Death, Conversations with Some of Heart's Greatest Composers to hear this story, to find out the truth of this story, because I don't remember it. But I think composer Joseph Bashara, who went on to compose... Things like Insidious and the Conjuring movies, um, and that whole many of the films in that universe, that James Wan universe. He was in a band that I think was the band that did Strange Days with Ray Manzarek for that soundtrack. Interesting. And then he got into scoring movies because they asked him if he'd be interested in scoring the trailer. For was, strange days, yeah, because, I remember the trailer because they didn't have music done for the movie. Yeah, so he ended up scoring that trailer, and then he started call scoring. him up, see if he'll <laughs> text them <laughs> real yeah. quick. What what's the story? Yeah, uh, so this is interesting how all this stuff yeah. comes together. Yeah, it's like the what one thing begets another thing, yeah. and then, uh, but. Uh, Apparently, Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. Yeah, and she shows up um, in a couple scenes. I mean, I always love the the sequence that they cut out with. They put it in the special edition with them, we said to earlier, where he tells them that, like, you know, you could take the CPU out and turn it on to read so it can be a learning computer. You can take the CPU out of the Terminator. And you can't take the Terminator You know, so they have that whole sequence in the gas station where they have this, they do this beautiful thing where they have a fake mirror. And they have Linda Hamilton in the foreground with Eddie Furlong, and then it's supposed to be a reflection. But in, in, And they're working on a dummy head, and then in the reflection, it's the real Schwarzenegger directing them, and then it's her twin doing, they, they sunk it so that they do the, and then there's some extra who's like a, like a small person play, with the back to be Eddie Furlong, and the camera pans around, and then, you know, you see them take the, it's all in one, it's beautiful how they did it all in one sequence, you yeah. know? And he's like, do you see the, 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 you know, the shock absorber covering, take it out, and they take it. They, it's so great they, they turn it all out. out. <laughs> they take the shit out. They'll turn it all out. And so they turn it off. And then it's I'm, I'm actually shocked we haven't done that more, Schwarzenegger more Schwarzenegger impressions. And they uh, I think we're gonna let we're letting down some of the regular <laughs> some of the listeners. who like the our, our Schwarzenegger impressions. <laughs> and they turn them off, and it's great that, that when they turn them off, and then they're able to like move them yeah. and all. And she wants to break the hammer. You know, she wants to 
to break the hammer. She wants to break the CPU, and then you know, he's break like, "Break the hammer!" He's, he's, he's like, "Mom!" You know, and then like it. Then you know, when they put it back in, they say in the novelization. The amazing thing in that scene, though, is that he doesn't like grab it and pull it away. I know. She imagine she he slams just puts it down. His hand over it. Well, <laughs> and like the momentum, and she can't stop. <laughs> she hits him. She just like masters. Well, then his she hand with when he says like, "You better start listening to me," and then she gets so mad she like throws the hammer down and misses it by an inch. Can you imagine if she accidentally <laughs> hit it? She, oh, I'm sorry. She I didn't mean it. it. I didn't mean it. You did too. And she puts it in. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a fucking revenge movie. Yeah, and he's all like, "You fucked me." Up. You know, he's got like some sort of like autism. <laughs> um, but Edward Furlong now he becomes very resentful. <laughs> he said, "You did that, man. You fucked." <laughs> Up the future, uh, in the novelization, and you could kind of see in his counter when he turns back on. He noticed like a minute and a half has gone by. He's like, "Was everything all right?" Because what the you know, fuck was going on? <laughs> he's like, "Because Why was I out for so long." Yeah, I should have yeah. only taken a. My second. name is Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> you blow my cover. <laughs> Holy shit! Get my ass to Mars. You clicked the wrong button. You clicked the wrong button. Click it back. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> I don't know what happened. So, um, we're getting a little punch drunk. Um... The what else you have? So, I saw you know I thought it was inter- I always find it interesting when you're trying to research things and then you find like multiple stories for one. Well, thing. like different like figures for like the budget being ninety four million dollars or eighty eight million dollars or one hundred two million dollars. I mean, all of which were the highest, the biggest budgets, biggest budget for any movie up till that point. Yeah, but it's interesting that there's just so many different figures out there floating around. And they made a crap load of money off this thing. I mean, this thing was just printing money when it came out. They had a re-release. A couple of years ago, they re-released it in 3D. I went and saw that. And that, yeah. that was awesome seeing it. I didn't it. get to see it. It was so. good. I mean, it, you know, they did what they could, so some parts looked really cool, but then for the most part, it wasn't It wasn't like, you know, Vincent Price, uh, House of Wax, where they had that thing coming at you. You know what I mean? <laughs> the uh, little ball. Yeah, the little ball thing. I saw it, Dawn of the Dead recently. Oh, I 3D. saw that they have that on, yeah. Uh, finally. I, how's that? It's like it years. was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. They, they, There's able to. I mean, they must have painstakingly spent a lot of money to. Yeah, I mean that had been. I heard. I read about that they were doing it like ten years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Maybe more, and then they finally have been doing a couple screenings here and there. Um, but that was neat. I mean, it's cool that we live at a time that the conversion is technology is good enough to be able to do it fairly well which is neat i didn't get to see that i would have loved to have seen this in in 3d um let's see what else we got well um what i liked about um some of the other things too is to talk about the the uh the shotgun they use his 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 winchester pump there that 10 gauge yeah the sawed off uh and him flipping the damn thing and that's something that you see going back to like uh, John Wayne and True Grit doing it like a boss flipping it on the horse and I think the rifleman does that too and they you know uh, they had to get a special kind of uh, it's like an 1887 Winchester 1887 it's called and it sawed off the stock in the barrel to have it be this 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 little version that he got from the biker bar and for him to be able to flip it and they talk about how like uh, you know it needs to have a wide thing for him to flip yeah. And, uh, you know, one, one time or two he tried to flip it w- without the, it being the right one. He almost broke his three fingers and, like, tore his skin off. But there's a – you have to get used to flipping the fucking thing, sure. you know. And, uh, you know, th- being able to load it the right way, you know, it only takes five shots. And then he's shooting seven in the movie. So then you go on these sites and they're like, you know, there's a thing called hot loading it where you can put five in, you put an extra one in, 
And then when you go to shut it, you could put one in the barrel and shut it. But they say you got to really careful because if you shut it too hard, it'll fire. Yeah, yeah. And that's a way. There is a way to load seven in the round. Like, you know, all that gun shit I always get off on. I love yeah, all that yeah. kind of thing. Well, you know? Apparently, another, the Gatlin gun. Oh, the minigun. Yeah, the yeah, minigun. Yeah. Apparently is the same minigun as Predator. Yeah, they just have a different kind of, uh, they call it like a chainsaw grip now. It's like this, it's the stock grip you see in all the video games and all the other kind of things. And it's funny because if you watch Predator, like how it sounds, or like you see like the, um, you know, the Cobra Rattler, the bad guys, yeah, there's yeah. there's the Warthog that that plane is based on in the Army, and that has a minigun on the front. And that's one of those things when you see the thing going, you see like, you see the thing go first, and you're, you know, yeah, and yeah. just you see it first, and you're, like a minute later, you know, it's like, and everyone's dead. Um, the the sound effect was too, it was too, they, they're they like, oh, that's it sounds like... <laughs> Because it's so, they they yeah. they slowed it down <laughs> yeah. to have it like have it sound a little so you can hear the individual bullets as opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> That's all it does. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, <laughs> I can't do it right. Yeah. But um, you know, so it's like weird. You know, like they're going for all this realism on the taking them to the gun range and like the story with Jim Cameron is Jim Cameron. He got it, at some point he got obsessed with guns, so he went to like the premiere person they they got this israeli command commando uh his name is like uzi gal or uh actually uzi uzi and then i think his last name is maybe gal or something and he he brought like the story i've heard is he brought like 10 grand to like the the gun range and he like he like i want you to teach me how to shoot like you know like like you see in the movies so this guy got Jim Cameron really proficient into weapons so when they ended up doing Terminator 2 there's a lot of footage of them on the range and you see this footage of Jim Cameron shooting every gun including the minigun and all this stuff so you have them getting really proficient with like Robert Patrick shooting an automatic uh, uh, Beretta which is unheard of but then when they go to the movie the Foley effects the Beretta sound effect sounds like it's got a silencer on. It's got a really weird, you know. It's like, and then the the, the shotgun. It's like the it's, it's supposed to like two cannons to give it these different. And so they do these hyper realistic sure. things to make it a little more like hyper reality. They call it as opposed to like the Michael yeah, Mann or yeah. John Wick shit that we've been talking about. You know, uh, just uh, you know, the idea of I thought there was a because you're talking about loading. I felt like the scene when they're in the car and like they're having John load reload. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I felt that it was. It's a very telling scene, and that like you do get you get for the first time, other than the fact that he can steal money from an ATM machine, that he's like a hacker of some sort. That like he really was brought up. Oh, how to do everything because she taught him. Yeah, it was like it's very telling, like kind of. expositional scene where you see and he's like he has a tour he's like hey, you got this is the last it or you know like he has the yeah, last like, one yeah, yeah, yeah he's got like lingo and he knows how to load the guns and he knows what to tell her and um just very very tight like things like that kind of really fill out the narrative kind of world of the movie and I thought that was just when we watched it this time around and thinking of the movie in terms of research and to, that we're going to talk about it I do remember Seeing that scene, I'm like, wow, that's like a neat little, you know, we talked a lot about when we did the first movie of like having Michael Bean tell exposition in action scenes so that doesn't, you're not stopping the movie to, to have exposition. 
he's letting out all the exposition as you're in the middle of like car chases and stuff. Yeah. So it's exciting. This was a way of not having to say anything. Yeah. And say so much. Yeah. About like the unfortunate upbringing that this kid or had to go through. The, the realizations that you make as the viewer and I think Sarah Connor actually vocalizes that like, you know, the Terminator, the Terminator 2 Schwarzenegger is the perfect father for him. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, you it's know, yeah, even the scene, I always, you know, seeing He's never going to get drunk. He's he, never going to be too tired. He's never going to get old or he's never, you know, he's always going to be there for love. Like I always thought for me, like when they're in that ga- gas station and they fall asleep and she's looking at him and he's, he's standing there like in the office looking yeah. out and then, the, you know, it's Sun like. Sun comes up and, and it's still exactly the same. Yeah, position. like I love that, you know, even as a kid, that kind of time uh, progression shot or, I mean, going back to the theater, it's like, you know, I talked about how seeing the uh, Guns N' Roses You Could Be Mine video and seeing all the footage in that and that was the first glimpse of seeing stuff. I can remember being in the theater and then like we had never seen the audience uh, the T-1000 that was such a surprise when the guy walks over the floor and having it come out. I remember there were gasps in the theater of people like you know people dropping their jaws because holy shit it's coming up behind them and on people like it's almost like horror movie people like oh my god you know people because that hadn't been leaked you know and uh you know since we were the first audiences that night seeing it since it was opening night like it was so new to us like all these little you know nuanced scenes and like that whole you know or the realization dr silverman has that she's been telling the truth the whole time and that really uh iconic shot of the team 1000 going through the bars but then like uh the whatever the gun not going through you know the, whatever that is the 45 or something and then he drops the, the you know the the needle uh cap it's it's so good yeah, you know yeah. all that's or even like when when they set the alarm off the you know it cuts to like that guy's drugged and he's trying to get up and the t-1000 sees him and he's like and he just walks away from the guy and the guy's <laughs> like you know, you know you know it's like all that kind of it's such good like little you know yeah. or I, her having ps uh, ptsd and her, how horrifying it must be for her coming around that corner, yeah, and you yeah. know the Terminator coming out of the elevator, and it looks like the one from the first movie, and she's freaking having an emotional breakdown. Like it's like it's all, yeah, you know. I d- I don't I didn't see it opening night, but I did see it in the movies. I saw it in Troy, New York, I believe at the same movie theater that I saw Rocketeer, at, which wasn't a movie theater that we went to very often, but uh, we definitely went there for T two, and I remember we went as a family. Yeah, my mom came even for that one, and uh, so definitely fond memories of uh, seeing that movie. Yeah, good stuff, good times. There's good, the del- great old <laughs> good times, great oldies. <laughs> There's the deleted scene of them when they stop at that roadhouse to get gas and redo, and they, they, you know they're trying to show them how to smile. Which yeah, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad they cut that out. But to me, that reminds me of the. The, the, tr- the, the stop from like from Dust Till Dawn, you know, at the beginning when they, they <laughs> rob or even like uh, Romeo's bleeding that Gary Ullman ends up at, you know, yeah, yeah. sometimes she stays a little longer. You know, it's like that to me, it seems like it's the same gas the station, same, uh, same, <laughs> same up, road yeah. stop. Some guy's like, why is this shit always happening? <laughs> oh my God. And then the sheriff gets killed. What's his face? Um, and, and then like the other thing to me was I, even when I saw the movie was I never understood the logic was why when they, with Miles Dyson show him, why does he... Take, cut his whole fucking arm off. Yeah. It's like, oh, now you're ruined. Like, just cut a finger <laughs> off. If he doesn't believe you, cut another finger <laughs> off. You know, I always thought that. this time around. Yeah, the kid, like, they put the skin like back remembering on. remembering that it's coming up. Like, I it's remember a waste. when we were He's, watching it. can't grow it back. We were watching it tonight. I was, I was like, like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And I was like, it's really stupid that he's going to cut his whole fucking ha- arm off. Yeah, for it to be, you know, or uh, just, just, just all pinky. these. He's just in his pinky. Yeah, and then if they don't believe you, 
pick which finger. I will <laughs> any finger you want me to. I will cut it off. You know, I mean, or whatever, or show them the scar. Shoot them. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. shoot you in the chest. Uh, and then those poor like um, SWAT team guys. So like near the end of the movie, when when he comes walking out, and they're like, you know, put you, drop, okay, drop him. And then you know he's on like non kill mode, but he shoots everybody in the knees. Like it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. some of those hits are so well done, where you see them like their leg going out from under him, and then they buckle on top of the leg. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, a lot of the ADR, I think, is brilliant. Where it's like, uh, you know, where he goes outside and he's like, "He hold this," and then he gets the tr- SWAT truck and he's going, and then you see them like, "Holy shit!" They get out <laughs> yeah, of the way, yeah. you know. And the other thing I really like too is you have these unwieldy machines like the tow truck, the wrecker in the canal, and how unwieldy that is to control. It's so scary that like you know the Terminators are going to be the best people being able to drive this thing and it's like the the T-1000 it's ha- banging up against the walls but it's still yeah, coming yeah. and then later on in the movie near the end when he's driving that SWAT van like you, that thing doesn't handle well, well at all but he's he's driving it as good as it can handle but at any moment it could topple over you know it's like yeah. you know or the, the helicopter chase with him having four arms while he's loading the the uh, what is that maybe an HP, H, HP5 you know it's like all this stuff and it's just all these little new Nuances where I don't know if I noticed the first or second time I watched that he has four hands there. Yeah, I don't know you if know? I noticed the first time. I definitely knew it before. Yeah, because it was like, oh yeah, that I remember that. Yeah, watching it this time. Uh, and then like I always felt bad for the two jocks. You know, when he's like, he calls his house. He's like, yo, if you fall up, Ben's a fucking dead. You know, <laughs> and those jocks come because he's screaming. And then like he beats the crap out of those jocks, and they're like, he's oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like these poor guys just came to help you, and then like you know, uh, and of course there's the foster parents of the great Jeanette Goldstein and Zan- the great Xander Berkeley. We always bring Xander up. Yeah, he was, but he's been on a lot. We had him on. Uh, what, what was he on the other night? We had him uh, last year. What, what the hell was he? On? I don't know. And I, you brought him up. I was, and like I brought the, him up. Yeah, and she's been in. She's in. She's like part of his. Aliens and she's Vasquez. She's in Near Dark, which is um, Bigelow's movie. She's in Titanic. Titanic. She's got a scene in Titanic. Yeah. Um, and uh, she might be another one of his stuff. But, yeah, she's in a lot of... You look the way I feel in, t- in Aliens. Um, yeah, she's great in this. And then, yeah. Uh, that was a big surprise, too. And remember that? That you didn't know that he was going to be her, you know, with the blade. Yeah, with the, yeah. with the, You know, and then, you know, they cut out the scene where he goes outside and kills the dog. And he sees the dog's name's Max, not Wolfie. And Wolfie, um, I guess... James Cameron owned a German Shepherd when they filmed the first Terminator and it's the dog that's barking when he goes to the motel at the end and the dog's name was Beowulf but they called it Wolfie as a short and that's the the, the reference of you know what's what's wrong with Wolfie I hear him barking something I noticed this time around you know like the Skeet Ulrich viewing of in, <laughs> in Weekend at Bernie's this time around I noticed that one of the the girls that Robert Patrick was like, have you seen this Boy, the Galleria? Like, oh, yeah, he was just here. I think they were saying the Galleria. The, one of the girls, the girl with the lines is Nikki Cox, who was in that uh, that kind of like Married with Children ripoff show with Bobcat Goldthwait doing the, bo- oh, the yeah, rabbit yeah, puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the, is, remember the show with um, what's his face from Friends? They did like a because he played the oh boyfriend that was like a spinoff of where uh, yeah with LeBlanc yeah where it was his the, he was the boyfriend of yeah, him. Remember she when we were in college? There was that like I don't know where, what that show was called. The Bobcat go go away with the dog with the cat. Yeah, yeah he, I remember he was, that like, one. He was the rabbit. Yeah. yeah, but it was really just kind of like this weird ripoff. Of, it's like an acid flashback. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of remember she was in that movie. I mean that television show. Yeah. Um, 
Again, in the novelization, near the end of it, when when it, it's interesting, when they they turned on his learning learning computer, he starts having these realizations of almost what he calls feelings or almost fear. And when he's um, when he's getting pummeled by that I beam in the steel mill at the end, he kind of has this this kind of uh, realization of like a feeling of when he's getting pummeled. So he. Uh, in the book, he plays dead. He, they say he does strategy 9085, that he senses fear, so he plays dead, and then that's it when, how he's able to wake up. Okay. You know, and then, because in the movie, they kind of have him, like, he, he alternate root circuits, and there's a little explanation. I think there's also... Oh, yeah, like alternate power source. Yeah, and then in the, in the book, there's something, too, that he's, it's so hot, he's able to, to, to kind of... Uh, to, to, to take some of that energy and conserve it into a power, you know. And then in the book, too, it talks about that the T-1000 kind of freaks out when it's in there because it kind of knows it's dying. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know, you know, it's it's an interesting idea. You know, you can call it whatever you want. Maybe we can term it fear, but it knows that it's, it's something's wrong and it's freaking out. So there's a lot of inner uh, ideas, which I find fascinating, between the two characters in the books and then you know what you see in the there are little characterizations in there yeah, of yeah. them uh, their interaction or like the T because you think about the progression of the T-800 from the first Terminator movie to Schwarzenegger in the second movie and then can you imagine the T-1000 being programmed to be like that in the second movie like you know what would his journey be to become almost human like or trying to you know it's, so it's 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 kind of it's interesting and then there's the alternate ending that they I filmed why, I know now why you cry I know but it's something I can never do <laughs> Um, there's, there's, there's a alternate ending where it has them in 2029 where, uh, like she's old and she's watching his son in DC and he's a Senator and he has his kid and he's doing legislation to, to stop like the future or or pollution all that kind of a thing, which, uh, is out there. You could see that they filmed it, but then they decided to to actually do the other one with it. With I, I love that ending where it's like the road with the, with the lane highway and the, you know, I think that's all like first one in that way yeah well, not the same shots but like you know it's kind of leaves you like what's next yeah and it kind of leaves it in your hands like the audience you know maybe we can too you know <laughs> you know it's like you know <laughs> have a little uh you know you could help um change the future um and this one a crap load of stuff like it was nominated i think for like six academy awards yeah and it won maybe four, four. one best sound editing best makeup best makeup best, best sound mixing and best fe- special effects yeah. and i mean it took five hours to get his stuff on and off near the end of it there that's that the prosthetics yeah. well i mean source thing you're at on it. i think he's already been inducted into the sleepover movie hall of fame yeah yeah i, I mean, mean for people for kids that grew up on special effects junkies i mean stan winston was unbelievable you know, i mean would have been mount rushmore of special effects guys for us as kids it would have been like Rick Baker <laughs> Stan Winston yeah uh, and then you know what I never got to see I remember they did a they did a Marvel Comics three issue miniseries I had a couple of them and I remember the art not being as good as like say those Dark Horse Burning Earth Birth Burning Earth <laughs> series Burning Birth Burning Birth and then they made a Dark Horse Terminator comic series which was actually really good that was just a uh, standalone issues I think they're all Dark Horse uh, but then they also did a, a in 1996 they did like a Universal theme park ride uh, called T2 3D Battle Across Time which I never got to go down and see but it brought back Schwarzenegger Linda Hamilton Robert Patrick and Eddie Furlong to reprise their roles it cost 60 million dollars to do it was only 20, 12 minutes long so it became the most expensive per minute 
short ever because it's 60 million for 12 minutes and i remember seeing footage of it like they're they're going around like either in the future or a junkyard and there's like spider and it's you know you're wearing 3d glasses so it's very interactive i remember being like mind-blowing you know and i remember another big thing for me too was the the um the, the playing cards you know, back when we were little, trading cards were huge. There was yeah. trading cards for Batman. There was trading cards for Dick sure. Tracy. There was trading cards for this or that. Terminator 2 had trading cards, and that was, like, getting all the whole set and all that kind of a thing. Yeah. And Did making they have, sure like, uh, some of them on the back would form, I, like, a probably, puzzle? Probably, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, like you bigger th- image. Yeah, or there'd be, a, like, an explanation on the back, but then you can get, like, a special one that's a sticker. Or that's a special one that if you get all 12, you can make, yeah, yeah the Batman puzzle. I had ones, but I don't think I had any Terminator 2 they did, I think they did two di- versions of Batman. There were two different series. I remember there's like, a second and a first and a second series for the Batman stuff. Because um, when the movie came out, I never, you know, when... The Terminator gets his arm stuck in that thing at the end. The T-1000 turns, and you see that little, like, glitch go through him. Yeah. And I always loved that, and I didn't know what it was. And then you realize that's the only glitch they left in, which I find fa- – I used I loved that where when he got frozen in lit- liquid nitrogen, and when he reformed, he's having problems morphing where if he's touching stuff stuff's you know or his feet are sinking into the floor. Yeah. And this is all restored into the special editions, and then that's how at the end of the movie – Eddie Furlong, when he hears her, he looks and he sees the other woman come out, and he looks down. He can see that that that's the T one thousand. He recognizes because yeah. her feet are, is, is melting into the floor. Um, I loved all that stuff. I like, I guess, for Spanish audiences to keep the joke with Asta La Vista baby. They put Sayonara baby, and that was the dub so that they would get the the laugh, you know, yeah. for him saying it there, you know, um, you know, shooting the T one thousand. That and see that the, it's like. These set pieces, these action sequences they do with the liquid nitrogen truck and then him coming out and walking f- towards him and he's freezing, oh, yeah. you know, and then he starts falling apart. I mean, you're on the edge of your seat seeing this for the first time. I and just remember, like... The sense of fear when the T-1000, like, looks at it and freezes and he's opens his mouth because he doesn't know what's <laughs> happening and he yeah, freezes yeah. that way. It's like it's so... He doesn't realize what's happening. So the only way to process it, again, is it fear? Is it unknown with his mouth opening and freezing that way? It's just... It's brilliant. Yeah. I also just remember you kind of sparked a like a distant memory of watch, of watching one of those special effects shows where uh like when the truck crashes and Schwarzenegger falls off and tumbles that to my recollection that was like a miniature model yeah like stop motion play. yeah and I was like oh yeah and when we saw that I was like oh yeah the movie that, magic that really. shot <laughs> or him rolling and like surfing he's like surfs on it like yeah. it's just all I mean all the 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 the, the the stuff where there was a real guy on a Harley that on cables did that jump or they couldn't have Eddie Furlong like on the bike so they had like a a stunt man that was a smaller size like a jockey so they had to have a bigger bike to fit his frame to make it look like the forced perspective of it being a double for the dirt bike yeah. you know all that kind of a thing the, the ginger kid, kid who's from Salute Your Shorts and oh, um, yeah. different strokes and uh, he's in something else uh, that kid, you know, being his friend, I recognized him when I was little. Yeah, with the yeah moment. he's good in this, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's got the jams on, you know, he's got the, you know, the, and they're, they're blasting the he you can be mine. He has a lot of voiceover work now. Oh, I does think, he? Yeah. I, I, that kind of suits him like that, you know. Uh, and then, the, you know, the whole terminology of, like, the T-1000s, Robert Patrick says, like, he like he patted himself off like a shark, like t- uh, Schwarzenegger did in the first one, or like a bald eagle, how he looks. Like, I love... There is like a, you think about, we talked about this in the first movie, like that, like there's a lot behind Schwarzenegger's choices for acting sure, and how he does efficient. stuff. 
Yeah. And you see that with the T-1000, too, him, like, always scanning or looking around, like, at the beginning of the movie when he's the cop, and he's looking, like, he gets into the cop car, he puts his hand on it, and almost, like, he can sense what the thing is, and he types in the address, and then you see him, he's still looking, and then he looks down, he gets the address of where the kid lives, and then the whole thing where it's like, nice-looking boy, you mind if I keep this? You know, the big guy came with a bike, you know, it's like, oh, I wouldn't worry about him. Thank you for your cooperation. You know, it's like all this stuff, like he's in the friend mode, you know, it's like, you know, he knows how to be discarding and and they go that in the novelization. Like he didn't answer that question, but he offered this, you know, to to ease their fears or whatever. And he knows, you know, to come back. So in the novelization, when he kills Todd, uh, you know, when he hangs up the phone, he stops, he walks by, she's in the, in the, like the shower dead on the floor and he walks by you know, and he goes outside kills the dog then goes inside and he searches the room like we said you know it's like yeah. all these little like nuances I think are great um, yeah yeah it's just it's just a lot of uh, you know it's it's a lot of the stuff it's you know you could see kind of I guess why they deleted some of the deleted scenes uh, some of them you're like oh I wish they kind of kept them in uh you know, like even like the the studio was getting hesitant about how big the budget was going, so they were thinking about asking him to cut the like the bar scene at the beginning with like the Dwight Yoakam like Cadillacs yeah. and and guitars Cadillac. I remember going on a camping trip, getting re- way down the alley and hearing somebody in another campsite having that song <laughs> guitars Cadillacs Hillbilly you and I was like, oh my god, that's the song from Terminator Two because you know when you're young enough you don't realize that these are songs they're injecting into movies. Maybe they're made for the movie. I didn't know yeah, who yeah. Dwight Yoakam was at the time. You know, and all that hilariousness. Again, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. It's a, it's an image of like you know uh, your clothes. Give them to me now. Yeah, and he yeah. puts the cigar out on him. He beats the crap out of those guys. He goes into the kitchen and gets the gun from him. And you know, take the bike. It's it's like all, it's such good stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I always remember as a kid hearing that like Edward Furlong was just some kid they found. They got him at like a uh, like and, a uh, like a boys. And researching it now is Pasadena, which is one of my favorite towns. Yeah, uh, they like got him the boys the, and girls. Like home or something that he was. I guess he had had like a troubled upbringing, and he was living with relatives. But I guess maybe after school or someplace, they would you kids would go to this place to hang out and stay out of trouble. And he was like standing on the steps, and they were having trouble finding a kid that was like rough around the edges enough who was a professional actor. And the casting director happened to see him on the the boy the boys club or the girls yeah, club on yeah. the steps of this boys club or boys and girls club and went up and approached him about maybe auditioning and I guess he gave her some attitude and she's like yeah this is the fucking this is the John Connor yeah. we need um and I didn't even notice too like uh the when they go hide in the gas station the logos on the pumps and stuff it's called uh Benith Benthic Benthic and it's it's the same the Benthic petroleum logo it's the same company that owns the rigs in uh the abyss mm-hmm. so it's almost creating that world of um whatever i forget the name of the damn oh, company yeah. from uh from alien yeah, uh, yeah. wet the w Man, i have a fucking hat of that too i forget the name of that you know that, and then that they, they they connect that universe with is it terminate alien ocp yeah yeah you know uh uh omni consumer uh thingy uh, <laughs> and then another thing I didn't realize until doing doing this thing too is when they do that whole wrecker scene they shot that reverse because they you know you can't have Robert Patrick trying to act and then drive that big old wrecker so they they shot it reverse with him sitting in the passenger seat with a fake and then they have a guy really driving it and then they flip the image 
so that you know so that there was a scene when they're like um when he when he drives the truck off the the thing towards him i mean that it's amazing they drive a truck two stories down it comes off the, the t- bridge you could see in some they had to reverse the sign because you know when you f- flip it it reverses so they so you mean they shot all that stuff with him on the other side like ronin style which is like he's in the passenger seat yeah like european wheel yeah so that he can concentrate on acting yeah. and doing the stuff and then when they developed the film they flipped it so it looks like he's yeah. driving our right way america on the left hand side and then they had to flip all this so that means they had to all the stuff on the truck the freight line or all that they must have had to yeah. reverse so when they reversed the film it all looked right you know because they, they did that with ronan for the chase scenes except for they just put in a fake wheel and use like i guess that takes place in europe so they used american cars yeah with a fake wheel, and then they just had the stuntman driving them around because they wanted at the, at the real speeds, right? Yeah, they wanted to see like Robert De Niro at like reacting to actually going like 100 miles an yeah. hour down those. Streets. Which is not like they trained him to do it. They just want your reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's flying like <laughs> and like what's his face? Uh, what, uh, what's his name going like Mattert? Uh, yeah, so there's all like little little things you know like that that I found <laughs> found really interesting, and then you know. Uh, you know, just all that little stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, just I feel like there's just so much more we could talk about. We've we've kind of been around the houses with this one, but yeah, it's just there's so have. many, there's so much stuff we could you know that we could talk about that you know. Uh, I mean, some of that stuff we talked about that extended opening, I think, shows up in that Genesis movie, the light, the latest one. Oh yeah, you know, the beginning with him finding the guy, you know, and then John Connor going back and all that. I have to go back and I have watch, to watch that, that one again because too. a lot of people didn't like it, and I at the at the beginning I didn't like how they altered the time, so like the entire movie is then just destroyed by like the first 20 minutes because he kills the Terminator that comes back and I'm like what the hell you're killing the whole complete <laughs> timeline of the first well, movie now the first one doesn't exist anymore yeah and then I didn't like how the other guy that they they, they got to be Kyle Reese didn't play Kyle Reese at all like you think he would have tried to be a little Michael Beanish but he's like yeah. no I felt like in Salvation with the, the kid that died Anton yeah he played Bean who he played Chekhov and yeah 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 I felt like he did a pretty good job of like yeah, trying to channel. Of, yeah, like yeah, channeling yeah. Bean. And the other, I didn't like that. But the other guy, who, who, what's his name? That was an Avatar. That guy. Uh, I felt like his his voice. You find out he's a Terminator, but he didn't know he was a Terminator. Yeah. It's like he's going into like his Australian spoiler. or English. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. He's going into his accent left and right. And you're like, what? Why are you? Dipping in and out of your accent, you know, you shouldn't be dipping into your accents because he's a terminator. You know, he but he didn't realize I it's know, yeah because his programming's messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, it's all kinds of messed up. So yeah, I, so I have to go back and watch the the Genesis one again. Um, we'll do a quadruple. Can you imagine that doing like a, like a gazillion uh, you know thingy before uh, the next one comes out? You and I will watch all four of them, <laughs> five well, of them. Five do all five of them, and we'll. Uh, We'll Twitter. We'll tweet. Live, live, live tweet it all. Live tweet for 10 hours of Terminator. And it's just going to be only you and I <laughs> watching it. No no one will interact with us. Twitter <laughs> feed, <laughs> <laughs> just the two of us yeah, just, just, just tweeting it, back and forth, even though yeah, we're sitting next to each other. We're not even in the right location. We're not even <laughs> in the same locations together. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's. I feel like there's a lot more other stuff uh, that we could go, we can hit, but, you know, there's just so much. So much to, to too touch much, on. Too much. Uh, but I like to being able to get in some of the uh, novelization stuff. You know, all that stuff we, we, we ended up um, 
you know, uh, hitting upon and stuff like that. Well, you know, we're fans of the novelization, and, you know, sometimes I worry that maybe we talk a little bit too much about them. But one reason why we, you know, we, we talk about them is because we feel like, one, we love them. Two, as far as we know, there aren't too many other shows that talk about that. The dip into the novelization, Jan, yeah, and we also, being fans of stuff, we feel like this is stuff we want to know, you know. That, and also, when you get a movie like Terminator 2 or when, when we did... Blade Runner, which we talked about the original source, uh, Philip K. Dick novel, a lot in that one. You know, I feel like, look, any most I think of most people our generation that are sleepover movie lovers like we are, they're going to be pretty damn knowledgeable about Terminator Two already. Yeah. So for a lot of people, we're just we're just rehashing some of the same stuff, some stuff that they already know. So it gives us uh, another avenue. Yeah, to talk about that people may not necessarily know. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like we can keep going on with this. You know, like I said, we've been around a bit with all different kinds of things. But, you know, I will just point out that William Wisher, who co-wrote the original novelization for the first movie and then co-wrote the script for Cameron, went on to write Judge Dredd. He's also the actor I talked about, 1L19. Yes. Yeah. And uh, The 13th Warrior. Wait, he wrote Stallone's Judge Dredd? Yeah. Yeah. And then has uncredited rewrites for for Die Hard with a Vengeance, Eraser, and Live Free or Die Hard. Nice. He's had a successful career there, that guy. So just get as he was an LAPD cop who got his head bashed and probably took early retirement and went into <laughs> screenwriting. <sighs> so God bless you, Bill F- Wisher. Yeah. This one's for you. This bud's for you. This one's for you. And, and I, like we always do, we, we completely recommend you going on eBay and picking up the T2 novelization, the Terminator novelization. More so that, like I said, the original Terminator novelization is like its own book. So much there. Um, yeah. Every, you know, they have people's names and stuff, you know, like yeah, I said. Yeah, some of, the, some of them are really great. It's, I mean, sometimes you get ones that aren't written that well. Uh, but they're fun because you know the movie and... Sometimes you get ones like when we did uh, Star Trek Six. Oh yeah, you said yeah. Like, I love the reading that one. It makes me, and I still haven't done it because I'm f- I'm lazy and busy. I should say I'm just busy writing and working. But I was like, makes me want to go, especially if the same person writes them. I want to go back and read all the Star Trek. Ones. I know. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really amazing. It's it's. I mean, they're just sometimes they. They have such a, uh, like, there, there's so much there. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we did Escape from New York, and I read the Escape from New York one and talked about, like, it talks about how Snake loses his eye. And yeah. It talks about all the things that are just referenced. All the gold fire over Leningrad yeah, yeah. and all I mean, that kind of a thing. Who knows if any of that stuff is, most of that stuff is probably just made up by the that author and not canon yeah. necessarily, but it's still fun as a fan. I feel like read like an interpretation of it. This thing, like these here, like they must have had some sort of. Uh, I mean, certainly, is it the the cart before the horse here, where they had to, some of the stuff that they're talking about in this novelization, like like the Terminator first book. They're talking about like her wearing the Jetsons T-shirt while they're getting ready to go out for that date. Her and Ginger. Yeah. So it's like they had to have seen some of these scenes to you know. So, but for it to come out at the same time, it's like are they going off an earlier script? Or are they going off the dailies? You know. Yeah. It's amazing. Or you know the guy, the guy's name at the beginning of the freaking thing, um, uh, the, the 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 junk man. It's it's I forget the guy's name. Dell, Dell something. 
Uh, oh, it's amazing. It's just it's so might, cool. I think we once we hit stop on the, this recording, we might need to pop in the first one. And I start rewatching. Oh, I kind of fall asleep to watch the first the, one. The garbage man who's the garbage truck is Delray Goines, G-O-I-N-E-S, Delray. He's listening to B.B. King. In his, in his, uh, say what song or just BB King? It just says BB King. He's listening to BB King in his Walkman, and he's, and then it's so that, uh, uh, what do you, and then he had to, he has to, when he's going up the hill, he has to turn it off because the truck is too loud because he can't hear the soloing of the BB King's fingers. Yeah. And then, uh, when the electric shock start in the, the truck, he can't, he thinks it's the headphones that went, and he's like, I just put a new Walkman, and you know, Batteries, and then he, yeah. yeah, and then he tries to, he has to get out and run away, and he's talking about how bad his knees are. Really, really good. You, everybody out there should go listen to it, but we digress. So, uh, thank you for, I think we should wrap this one up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm falling asleep. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So pop in the first movie and get in our sleeping bags. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we'll have to get out light, of this this turn, this water closet. <laughs> turn the lights out. And uh, well, this is our our opening of our of our, uh, our our Saturday night movie extravaganza of uh, of uh, what do you call it? The summer sequels. So we hoped you liked our first installment. We got a whole summer sequels planned. Uh, coming at you, and uh, like we always say, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, we have our own site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. You know, you can like our stuff, um, check it out. You can interact with us. Please tell a friend. Please go like those pages because we like to try to get our numbers up and see how much people, how many people are actually listening to these podcasts. Yeah. Um, if also, you like rate our and stuff. review on iTunes would be great too. That helps uh, the more you know positive ratings we get, it becomes more visible to people that are listening to like-minded material. Sure. So, it would be helpful for us if you could take a few minutes and do that. If not, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I understand. Yeah, and what do you got going on? Uh, of course, the book is Scored to Death, Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers. It's available on Amazon and other book retailers, as well as from me directly at scoredtodeath.com. You can also check out some back episodes of Scored to Death, the podcast. I've been thinking recently about uh, I need to get back to doing some episodes of that. So hopefully at some point there will be some fresh episodes uh, check out some old episodes of 21 Pod Street. Yeah. With me and Mike Vanderbilt. Maybe someday we'll get back to that. And uh, I. Uh, cuts I, from the Crypt. And Cuts from the Crypt on the Damn Fine Network, where I get to play DJ for a day and I play horror movie music. It's that's, a lot of fun. So. That's freaking sweet. So check that out. I've been, I got big plans for that, too. We've been doing. Uh, we just had a recent episode, played some Carpenter. You know, nice. I get to flood all the. Play all the hot. All the fun stuff. Uh, I've Got Blood in the Streets, a book if you like gritty 70s cinema or those kind of, uh, you know, detective cop novels, uh, check it out. Uh, it's available on paperback, uh, ebook, and audiobook on uh, Amazon, Bars and Noble, wherever you want to get your books. Uh, please check that out. We always like to say if you want to help support our local podcasters, please uh, go buy our books because that helps support us. And, um, you know, uh, that's really all I got. Uh, blood in the streets. I'm a little pun- we're a little punch drunk now yeah. because we're so it's so late in the evening. Uh, but we have a big summer plan, so we hope you stick around. Movies. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. So we hope um, you guys like what we've got M- planned. Might just be, be our biggest summer ever. Ever, we could be. We'll see. Could be. We'll have to see. You, you could tell us if you like what we got going on. So uh, we will see you very soon in two weeks. Before you know it, we'll be back around the bend and we'll be refreshed. And all ready to go on a late Saturday night. So um, welcome to the summer of 2019, and we'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.